Hey, everybody, and welcome to the NFL Combine in Indianapolis, Indiana. Glad to be uh, live with you on a Thursday here until 6 o'clock. Apparently, we had a little power hit at the uh, home station in Jacksonville, Florida, but uh, we are loud and clear. We understand on ESPN 690 right now, Brent Martineau, Austin Lane back there. Austin, how you doing, man? Doing good. Uh, people are kind of running around the station frantic right now, <laughs> trying to figure out what's going on. Obviously, I'm just in my studio here, just uh, calm, cool, and collected, ready to have a good radio show today. Hey, no power hit here at the Combine. Instead, just pure power as the bench press is underway behind us. The offensive lineman just went. Uh, running backs are on the podium. And the big news, of course, Kyler Murray and his measurements, which we're going to talk all about. So uh, glad to have you along with us here on a Thursday. And usually we'll set the table, get things going. But uh, I asked someone to stop by and talk a little football and talk a, a little bit about the Jags' new off- offensive coordinator. And he's got time right now, so we're going to get right into it. So hang tight back there, Austin. We'll Unless do. you want to jump in and ask a question about Coach Flip, the new offensive coordinator of the Jags. But uh, right now, Nathan Zagura from the Cleveland Browns and uh, senior broadcaster from the Cleveland Browns is with us. Of course, Coach John Filippo was up in Cleveland for sure. a while. We were talking a little bit yesterday. He said, yeah, I know Coach Flip pretty well. So I said, well, come on and tell Jacksonville all about him because we're interested, we're excited, and we think the Jags got a pretty good offensive coordinator for you know, having a higher one when they did. Tell us a little bit about Coach Flip. Yeah, John DeFilippo uh, spent some time with us, was the offensive coordinator in Mike Pettin's second season with the Browns back in 2015 and really put together what I would call a pretty innovative offense centered around passing concepts. And I think you even saw that in Minnesota while that didn't necessarily go the way he probably would have wanted to. But at the beginning of the season, Kirk Cousins was having a very nice year with Diggs and Adam Thielen getting the tight end Kyle Rudolph involved. And you go back to with the Browns. What he did very well is incorporate Duke Johnson, a pass-catching running back. Uh, Gary Barnage was our tight end, mm-hmm. had a great season that year, over a thousand yards receiving. His best and, year, yeah, it was his best year of his career. And so, John D. Flip, I think he w- he's more pass centric than run centric, and I think I know that that caused a little bit of the friction with he and Mike Zimmer, but. He's a great guy. I think the, the players on the team will like him very much. He's very relatable to the players. Um, and I'm excited for, you know, D.D. Westbrook is a guy who I think has a ton of talent. Obviously, Baker Mayfield, our quarterback, knows D.D. very well from his time at Oklahoma. And you guys have some talent there, certainly, with Leonard Fournette. And it's shown the ability to run it. And T.J. Yeldon was there uh, and had a nice season last year. Carlos Hyde came from the Browns. I know he won't be there anymore. But it's really going to come down to quarterback. And when you look at this team and kind of the direction for the Jags, two years, you know, a year removed from the AFC Championship game, the fact that getting Flip, I think, gives you a pretty clear pipeline to Nick Foles. Nick Foles, he was the quarterback coach for Nick Foles in that Super Bowl run with the Philadelphia Eagles, knows him very well, learned a lot of those concepts while he was there with Doug Peterson and Frank Reich, who's now gone. I mean, you think about the offensive staff they had. Amazing. Amazing. And so, and it all comes from Andy Reid. It all, right. It, it all ultimately starts there. And it's I think, you know, you bring in Nick Foles to this team, put him with Flip in an offense that he's going to know well, terminology he's going to know well, that's going to help him also kind of be another leader and teacher on the field for everybody for John Filippo to communicate this offense. It's a pretty nice setup, I think, honestly, in terms of, for I know talking to Flip, I actually ran into Flip uh, right when I first got here to Indy and couldn't be happier to be landed in Jacksonville, excited about the team, knows he's got a great defense and also some good pieces there on the offensive side of the ball. It's really interesting. You know about the NFL. Nathan Zagura uh, with us from the Cleveland Browns. Spent some time with Coach Filippo. He spent some time with a lot of Cleveland Browns, but everybody kind of passes through, right? Coaches <laughs> over the last six years. But, it, but you know how it is, especially with fans, and especially on the offensive coordinator front, usually you put a, a, put a poll question out there when Filippo got hired, and it's like, hey, what do you think? And initially there was some of that blowback, like, well... 
I'm not so sure because nobody's sure about the guy calling plays. But this was a home run higher. Even the fans, I think it was like an 88% to 12%. Yeah. Wow, that's a pretty good get. And I think people love the fact that he has the willingness to throw it down the field, which is an interesting mix with the Jags, though. They're run first. They want to play that power run game, Tom Coughlin, Doug Marone. But Marone said it yesterday. We are reworking this playbook. Tom Coughlin told us here on ESPN 690 last week, revitalization of the playbook. I wonder how much influence he will have in terms of those explosive plays because that's what's been lacking from the Jacksonville Jaguars offense. Yeah, and part of that might go to the quarterback. You know, a little bit. Bortles has had his <laughs> issues, but I think when you really look around the modern NFL game, teams, it is very difficult to do what the Jags did two years ago and be a team that's built solely on defense and running. The truth is it's an offensive league. You look at this year, and I think the Final Four said it better than any any. You know, anything could. It was the Chiefs, it was the Saints, it was the Rams and the Patriots. All explosive offenses. Now, the Saints were more of a running team than they had been in the past, but still, it's an explosive offense that can put points on the board, can throw the football around the yard. And I think that's the evolution of the NFL. That's where things are going, because to be sustained, you need to have that quarterback, you need to have an offense that's built around the pass. You throw to score, you run to win at the end of the games. And I think John Filippo certainly understands that. If you're worried about having a boring offense, in Jack, you won't, because he will throw the ball, throw it on first down. That's where you have the biggest advantage throwing the football, especially off of play action. He'll throw it on second down. He's not going to come out. It's not going to be run, 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 third and eight, throw a seven-yard pass punt. Like, And I know that the Jacks. Wait a minute. Are, We're not going to be able to predict the offense? No. We've been able not, to do that for like a decade. Yeah, you will not have that anymore. <laughs> not under John Filippo. And well, you mentioned the tight ends, too, and I think that's the important part. And where there's a lot of focus in Jacksonville right now and who they're going to get tight ends. They need to revamp the entire position. They cut Austin Safarian Jenkins, Mercedes yep. Lewis a couple years ago. But they just don't have that dynamic pass catcher. And if you look at where he's been, Ertz, Rudolph, Barnage had the big year. Of course, Barnage is a Jacksonville guy. I mean, he loves that tight end, it looks like, and he might make a tight end a lot of money over these next yeah, I mean, so. I, th- I think you look in free agency. Jared Cook's probably the best name in terms of a pass-catching yeah. tight end that could be out there for the Maybe Jags. Maybe Jesse James from Pittsburgh. Uh-huh. I know that n- name's been around, too, for the Jags. Sure, and he's shown the ability to catch the football. And, and you look at it's a good tight end draft from what everybody's saying as well. I think Iowa might have two guys that go in the first round at the, at the tight end position, which is crazy. You know how Kittle's come out of Iowa and done, had done very well. You go way back in the day, Dallas Clark, tight end out of Iowa as well. Um, I think... Yeah, you're going to want to get a tight end who can catch the football in his offense. I think that would be an important part of what he does, not only catching the ball down the seams in the middle of the field, uh, but also once you get into the red zone, he likes to dial up the tight ends in the scoring situations. He did that very effectively with Kyle Rudolph a year ago with Minnesota. But it's going to be – I think it will be more fun. Look, the key is the quarterback. I think of the options that are out there to you, most people would agree Nick Foles is probably the best short-term option, and nobody knows Nick Foles in the term, with the teams that have the vacancies like John Filippo does with his time as the quarterback coach for him on that Super Bowl run there with the Eagles. Sure can connect the dots. Nathan Zagura from the Cleveland Browns with us here at the NFL Combine, Indianapolis Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690, jumping right into it here on a Thursday, and there's a lot to talk about, including quarterbacks and Kyler Murray and a lot of other things happening at the Combine. But while I have you with you, just a couple quick hitters. How much excitement is in Cleveland? Uh, you know, we saw it two years ago after a miserable decade. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and I think you guys had a little fun last year. But with Baker Mayfield and Landry and some of the weapons, new coach now, all this stuff, and Dorsey with the job he's doing, can you feel the vibe? All right, I think we lost Brent there a little bit in Indianapolis. Hopefully we'll get him back pretty soon. But I, I'm not going to lie. So Brent was talking to Nathan a little bit, who uh, who has strong Cleveland Browns ties and whatnot. And Kind of, you know, singing John D. Filippo's praises and whatnot. Listen, I, I understand that 
DiFilippo was more of a pass-first guy, um, especially when he was in Minnesota. That's one of the reasons why actually he got fired from Minnesota was the fact that they had, you know, they had Cook, they had Morant running back, and they ended up um, opting to, you know, use Thielen and Diggs a little more. So I can understand that where he want to be pass happy, but if you're coming to Jacksonville, you have to look at what you have right now. You got Marquise Lee coming off an injury. You got DJ Chark, who a lot of people are going to say had a rough, I mean, I'm going to say it too. He had a rough first season as a rookie. You know, he had a lot of drops. He had penalties. He had fumbles. I mean, he basically had the trifecta. Now, granted, he played pretty well on special teams, but uh, I think the Jaguars are going to require him to be a big time receiver next year. So hopefully he can step up. I think we got, we got Brent back here. Oh, yeah, we're back here. Uh, sorry, I think he lost us for just a split second or two. But uh, with Nathan Zagur of the Cleveland Browns, two more questions for you. Uh, you talked about Baker Mayfield, the excite- excitement. We saw Antonio Callaway as a Florida Gator. How's he factored in? How's he done? I know you have to weather some things with Antonio Callaway. I mean, he's a really dynamic football player, though, if he can stay on the field. Yeah, and I think they threw a lot, uh, maybe too much at him early in the season, struggled a little bit, had some drops, still made some big plays. He saw the ability, but as you know, he didn't play football the year before. As the second half of the season went on and they kind of limited him to, to packages, he started to really thrive. And I thought he performed very well over the second half of the season. And I know Todd Munkin, who's coming to us from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he thinks very highly of Antonio Callaway. I know Fred he does. I know Baker does. In terms of just talent, he's probably the most talented receiver we have. Would have been a first-round pick had it not been for all of his mm-hmm. off-the-field issues. But, yeah, Antonio Callaway has a, an opportunity to be a real special player here for the Browns. All right, last one uh, before you run. Do you mind if uh, John Dorsey can pick us a quarterback? Because he's got a pretty good track record. <laughs> Mayfield, back-to-back. Like I see, If you're John Dorsey, you walk into any GM you know, meeting and it's like, Mahomes Mayfield, what's up? How you doing? Yeah, pretty, pretty it's good. Pre- it's pretty good. I, I saw him walking around here. I think he does have a little giddy up in his oh, step. Of course he does. And he is, you know, it's part of just like what he brings to the building. And Freddie Kitchens, you know, now our head coach who was a quarterback at Alabama. There's, there is, a, there's a swagger with the Browns. And I'll be honest with you, I, I didn't know if I ever would see that. I mean, I do a radio <laughs> show about this team two hours a day, 52 weeks a year. And you think about the fact there was a two-year period where we won one game total. And now here we are, and a lot of people think that the Browns have a chance not only to go to the playoffs, but to win the AFC North, given the turmoil with the Steelers and the Ravens kind of retooling with Lamar Jackson and the Bengals being the Bengals, and we smacked them around twice last year. How about that? Good for you guys. Uh, we felt it a little bit two years ago. Hopefully yeah, you get a, a, feel, uh, a big run and got a lot of friends up in Cleveland, Ohio, so uh, good for all the Browns fans that have hung in there for so long. Nathan yeah, Zagura, thank thanks you. for stopping by and hanging yeah, around. And Appreciate give, uh, you. Tell Tashawn Gibson I said hello. We will do so. Fine, man. That's if... He's still on the roster. We'll see. <laughs> but thank you very much. Nathan Zagura joining us from the Cleveland Browns, hanging around after his show uh, to talk a little John Filippo and uh, other things, Cleveland Browns, and also uh, some personnel deals. I was inter- John Dorsey, man, he's got it right the last couple of years. I don't know why you wouldn't want to lean on that guy if you could uh, when it comes to quarterbacks. All right, Austin, we still we live? We, we working? What's going on here? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have no idea what's really going on right now. I'm just watching Kuz uh, struggle and, fr- you know, I kind of have a frantic <laughs> pace to him right now. But you, yeah, you, you guys kind of cut out a little bit, so I kind of took the t- took the keys over and drove the vehicle for a couple seconds. But and listen, and, and I kind of touched on it when you guys went off the air a little bit. While I respect DiFilippo, you know, being the guy that's going to bring a little variety to the offense, he's going to keep you guessing. He also has to realize what he has right now with the Jacksonville Jaguars. He, he has a young receiving core who really isn't proving yet, and we have a running back that you can give the ball to. So from the you know from Nathan's perspective of where you know it's going to be an exciting offense. Well, yeah, that's ideally what you want. But at the same time, we have to remember when he, when he was in Minnesota, uh, Coach Filippo. When he's in Minnesota, um, 
you know, he, he had some issues because he had Dalvin Cook, he had Murray, and he, he chose to pass the ball a little more, and they weren't winning games because of it. So we have to always remember, and, and I get it, and Nathan kind of touched on this before a little bit where he said, you know, the, this is this is the age of the high-powered offense. Um, you run the ball to win the game, but you pass the ball to score points. Brent, you know exactly how I feel about that, man. I'm still under the philosophy where if you can run the ball and stop the run, you're going to win the game. So while you should be optimistic with this offense coming up, I wouldn't get too gun-ho saying, oh, yeah, now, now we're going to pass the ball 40 times a game. Yeah, I think it's interesting, Austin, too, is because you got to get um – you got to take whatever information you can gather, and I think uh, Nathan right there was great on about talking. I think that's exciting to fans. Say, hey, it's going to be a fun offense. It's going to be an exciting offense. It's going to be throwing the football. But then you temper it a little bit with what Doug Marone said yesterday, and that was, hey, we've got a playbook that's really thick right now. This is not John Filippo's playbook. This is not Doug Marone's playbook. This is the Jacksonville Jaguars playbook. And if you think about Tom Coughlin and Doug Marone, the offensive backgrounds of these guys, to go along with Filippo, you've got a lot of voices now in the room and you've got a lot of input in what they at least are trying to do and this works when your players play well (laughs) it could be a mess if your players don't play well is try to coordinate all that information into the right fit for them and you know they want to still run the football but they also want to be explosive and I think that marriage with John Filippo is going to be very interesting but don't lose sight of how important you think John Filippo Austin is going down that draft hallway and saying go get me a tight end because look at his success with tight ends true you know he's got to be leaning in that direction to say we need more at that position we all know it but he wants a star probably at that position without a doubt and so Nathan mentioned uh, Jared Cook a little bit while Cook is a little intriguing we have to remember he's kind of up there in age a little bit and he played in the Raiders offense where literally for a while that he was all at the head you know especially when Amari Cooper was gone and then also I think Seth Roberts might got hurt as well so literally I mean they had, they had nobody else to pass it to I remember playing fantasy football looking at the Raiders receivers thing I don't know any of these guys so Jared Cook was kind of the you know the quote-unquote bell cow in that receiving core um so, in, in being the free agency, he's definitely going to want the, the high dollar because he is probably the top free agent coming out uh, for tight end. So, not really sure if I'd look his way, but from a draft perspective, yeah, I think uh, John D. Felipe would definitely be, you know, hitting his hand on on the table, wanting a a first round, maybe a second round tight end for sure. Yeah, playmaker at the tight end position and then some. So we'll see. Uh, uh, good start uh, listening to that. John Filippo. We, we try to figure him out, learn him a little bit. Um, I think that part's going to be interesting, but we really won't know, obviously, until the fall of 2019. Just getting rocking and rolling here on a Thursday in Indianapolis. Business is picked up here at the NFL Combine. Uh, interviews being done, some of the testing being done. In fact, right behind us is the bench press, although that looks pretty clear and quiet right now. Jawan Taylor had 24 reps at 225, uh, the, four, the Florida Gator, uh, who figures to potentially be a top 10 pick on the offensive line. So uh, we'll dive into that position a little bit more. But the big stories here on a Thursday in the sports world, Bryce Harper just signed for, it looks like, 13 years, $330 million. We'll double-check that. And it's all about Kyler Murray. What's bigger, five foot ten and change or 207 pounds? Which one's more important? We talk about Kyler Murray and one national analyst who thinks he should go ahead of Dwayne Haskins. That story coming up next as Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 continues from the road. Oh, we can't go to break. That would have been a nice thing to tell me, uh, Coos. 
okay. <laughs> we can't we're just going to power we through. We don't have commercials. We're just going to power well, through, well, man. Well, this is the best thing ever. I know. You just got to tell me that. Yeah, well, we, we can uh, just keep it here. I was ready for a little teaser. Uh, well, yeah, and I was kind of ready to go to the bathroom a little bit, but all right, we'll just keep powering through, man. It's all good. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> listen, Austin, you lose the best part of your game. I at know. Your tease game. I know. There, there goes the whiteboard magic and whatnot. But hey, it is what it is. Well, you, if you need to write something down on the whiteboard, you you do that. Okay, and, um, and I'll just show it to myself, or maybe so my Kuz, frustration with Coos right and, now. Coos, jump on it and t- give us an update. Then what's going? We probably don't have video elements right now. That too. we do not. We actually are very close to the video element, more than actually having the the part that can let us go to commercial back, which is kind of weird if you think about it. Is the weather bad in Jacksonville? No, it's sunny. It's really nice out. Uh, so construction. Construction seems to be the problem this time. Oh, okay. So they hit something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, essentially. But we're we're getting there, you know. But I I figure, you know, people are gonna like it. You, we can't go to commercial. We're just gonna oh, keep chugging it. through. Yeah. They love it. That's fine. Hey, sit back, enjoy the ride. All right. Well, let's continue on then. Um, no, no, no choice in regrouping. Uh, this works out really well. Brent, but, so, uh, something I was gonna ask you. So you know, I can kind of hear some noise in the background. So are they still bench pressing right now as we speak? Well, it was interesting. Uh, before we got on, maybe, what, around 2 o'clock to 2.30, 2.40, there was a lot of noise in here. There was a lot of testosterone in here with all the bench pressing <laughs> going on. And it was, you know, it was just your typical, you know, go to a high school gym when people are, you know, trying to do their best or a college gym and, and people are trying to throw up a lot of weight. Um, it was loud. The fans are in here. There's some bleachers behind me. I don't know if you guys can see that once the video starts. But then there was a little break, and now we're back in the action, it looks like. Uh, as the offensive linemen continue. One offensive lineman, and I did not catch his name because we were setting up, did 39 reps. I think that's the highest total. And I just told you earlier, Jawan Taylor uh, from Florida did 24 reps at the 225 uh, mark. So um, I think there's a lot of bragging rights here, Austin, right? More than anything, something you tell your kids about. I mean, what, yeah. unless you totally do terrible or really like the guy that just did 39 you're probably not going to wow anybody. It seems like everybody's somewhere between 20 and 30 reps. You can't. I mean, as far from an, like an NFL GM standpoint, from a scouting standpoint, there isn't that much stake in, in the bench press at the combine. Now, I will say this. The reason why you know it's still popular and why, why players do it and why it's still an event is the fact that it kind of shows who are those guys that you know are good in the weight room and who are those guys that maybe slacked off a little bit. So usually the... The solid number is 20. If you can get at least 20 or or above, um, you're fine. But you know, if and then this is for like an offensive lineman slash defensive lineman. Um, say like a D lineman or offensive lineman puts up maybe 17 or 18. Well, now there's going to be some red flags that maybe the fact that he you know he's he's not a solid worker in the weight room. Um, you know, he might have a tendency to slack off a little bit. So as long as you get 20, honestly, teams don't really care that much especially because you think about it so the, the way the bench press is set up i mean brent you, you've seen it so like the, their hands are way past their shoulders in a football game or even in training camp or whenever in practice if you're an offensive lineman if you're any kind of football player you're never going to have your hands that wide so realistically it's kind of a it's kind of a lift that you don't really it doesn't translate well to football uh, i'm gonna say you know yeah, especially especially being a defensive end you want to keep your hands in tight so um to, you know to have some of the highest bench press numbers you want your hands a little wider so from a from a translation point to football um it does not translate that well i remember when i was with the chicago chicago bears i played with a fellow named steven Paya, and uh Paya actually holds the combine record right now with 
49 attempts, or I'm sorry, 49 reps uh, on the bench press, which is obviously ungodly We're strong. That up, so it's 49, okay. It's 49, yeah. Um, I think there was 51 before him, but that wasn't like counted as official because they must have like let him you know go a little soon. I don't, I don't know what the, what the reason was, but Stephen Pye holds the record for 49, and I played with him, and he's a solid defensive tackle. You know, he was taking the second round by the Chicago Bears out of Oregon State, ended up playing a little bit with Washington. But it wasn't like he was ungodly strong when it came to football. You know, it wasn't like he would be blowing guys off the line or anything like that. And then the same thing happened back in 2010. And I remember it was a huge deal. If you remember 2010, that that was the year with Sue and then Gerald McCoy. And, um, you know, there were debates of who was going to go as the first defensive tackle, Gerald McCoy or Endomica Sue. And Sue, I, I want to say, put up like 31, 32 reps. And McCoy only put up uh, 22 reps. So everyone was saying, like, oh, you know, Gerald McCoy's weak. Um, Sue's definitely going to go before him. And I think it was the writing was on the wall where Sue was going to go before McCoy anyways. But, you know, that, 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 the, the media and whatnot just kind of reassured it by saying, well, you know, McCoy only got to cut, like, 20-something reps. He's weak. He's not going to be, like, the first-round pick everyone's thinking. Well, Gerald McCoy's had a pretty solid uh, NFL career so far, and he's he's continuing to dominate. So, yeah, like I, I said, think, uh, you, you can't put too the, much stake into it. I don't know how. I don't know how many reps uh, it took, but um, or he did, but a guy like Phil Hansen comes to mind. Remember mm-hmm. the former Bill? Yeah. I think it was Phil Hansen. Yeah, Phil Hansen. And and I heard a story in the past, like recently in the last five years, is like, well, if you did the measurables on him, it was not great, right, from a bench pressing standpoint. But this guy grew up like on a farm and would throw bales of hay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if you think of that motion, that's what you do to, like, offensive linemen as a defensive end, right? You mm-hmm. kind of throw them out of the way. And he was country strong like that. And that's why he was so successful. And so that's why you got to be careful with all the measurables and, and strength. And I think it, not, it doesn't, like you just said, it doesn't always equate to a specific position, uh, whether it's a shuttle drill, whether it's a 40 time, whether it's the weights, the bench, all that stuff. So, uh, that's something that these guys as scouts have to work through. Mm-hmm. Uh, one other note to I saw a lot of the uh, medical staff for the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, as well today, and they've been busy at work, uh, yesterday, a lot of medical checks, today the same, and then they go group by group. So those guys are busy. Uh, ran into a lot of people with Jags jersey or logos on their shirt. Uh, here today at the Combine in Indianapolis. They've been here all week. They'll continue to be here all week. But this place certainly picked up, kind of like the Super Bowl does from, like, Wednesday to Thursday. Mm-hmm. Uh, this place really picked up from yesterday into today. Hey, Coos, uh, we're going to keep it. Let's just keep it here until the bottom of the hour break, if you don't mind, uh, since we only got a couple more minutes. Uh, I guess we've got everything working now back at the station. And, by the way, Coos, sorry to call you out. You did text me and tell me that we couldn't go to break. I just didn't see the text. It's all right. I knew you were in an interview, man. Still love you, man. Still love you. Uh, a lot of love here on the show. Hey, what do you make of Kyla Murray? I mean, it's the topic of the day. It's the story of the day. 207 pounds, five foot ten, and whatever it was, an eight. Um, I, I continue to say, Austin, the height doesn't matter to me uh, because we knew it wasn't going to be like between six two and six three, which seems like there's a threshold. We also knew it wasn't going to be like six foot or five eleven and a half, which seems like there's a threshold. Mm-hmm. Threshold. I mean. To me, 5'10", or 5'9 it's still small. He's going to be the smallest quarterback in the NFL. Uh, but what helps is the 207 pounds. I think that's the bigger number. Now, how does he wear it? How will he play with it? 
that's a few pounds heavier than Russell Wilson. So that looks good on a program. That looks good on a piece of paper. But how will he play like that? Uh, We'll have to see, and it doesn't look like we're going to see much from Kyler Murray here at the Combine because indications are he's not going to throw. And that was actually the bigger news to me as opposed to his height and weigh-in. You know, I mean, I think Peter King kind of, he had it in the Monday morning quarterback where he was saying that he thought Kyler Murray would weigh in and be that tall. So it wasn't necessarily a big shock to me. Once again, maybe he drank a lot of water before he, he ended up weighing in. We have no idea. Uh, I'm not really sure how he looked when he weighed in because that's kind of a big telling thing, too, if he can sustain that weight through training camp and whatnot because usually during training camp is when you tend to lose some weight. But also I found it interesting that he's not going to be doing any of the drills, won't be throwing at the combine, especially with, with a guy like you know Haskins who's, well, most experts think he's, he's going to go as a top quarterback. Um, you'd think Murray would, would want to come out and compete with him and show him that, hey, he, he's not scared of Haskins, and he might be the better quarterback than Haskins. And, uh, you know, Brett, we kind of talked about it yesterday a little bit where I'm not going to put on my tinfoil hat. I'm not going to dig too far into it. But one might ask, too, the fact that Murray is not doing any of these drills, he's not throwing, is there any kind of indication that maybe the Cardinals have said something to him and there's no reason for him to throw? Ooh, what do you think about, about that? that? I Hot like take. that. What do you think like about that? that? That's pretty good stuff. I, I feel a little smoke screening slash conspiracy theory <laughs> coming out of uh, Austin Lane. I like that. I also want to get into why you shouldn't be fooled by the 207. And everybody's comping him to Russell Wilson. But you got to make one thing clear, and we'll talk about that coming up. We'll get your conspiracy theory coming up, Austin Lane. <laughs> and also, what are some of the most overrated measurements in sports? And I think we are at a week full of measurements that get overhyped, over-talked about, and I'm not really sure how relevant they all are to performance, uh, Pro Bowls, Super Bowls, <laughs> stars in the NFL. Uh, we talk about all that plus more. Obviously, the breaking news in baseball looks like Bryce Harper to the Philadelphia Phillies said he would make a decision, or at least most people thought by the end of the week. It looks like the decision has been made. Philadelphia Phillies get a big boy. I'll tell you what, being a Philly sports fan in the last few years has not been a bad thing, or at least been uh, quiet. The it's been very nice. The always buzzing uh, <laughs> there in Philadelphia. usually is anyway, but it really has been uh, the last few years. So much more to come from the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. Plus, I think we're getting into Wonderlick story time from Austin Lane today. So uh, we've got a lot, lot on the way here from Indianapolis. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Thanks for hanging out with us here on a Thursday. Welcome back, everybody, to Indianapolis NFL Combine. Of course, uh, day number two for us. I, I guess technically it would really be day number three. I think things begin on Tuesday officially, but I'm calling it day number two because, well, we were here yesterday and today, and uh, we'll be back home tomorrow. But it's a cool scene here, no doubt. Uh, just a, a little refresher. I've never been a big fan of this. If you didn't catch me yesterday, I kind of did a uh, mea culpa because I think um, – it's. I shouldn't say I've never been a fan of it. I just didn't think it was vital to cover, especially on a TV side. But now with the radio show, and I think the TV element was really good uh, the last couple of days, too. You'll see that on CBS 47 and Fox 30, not just tonight, but all weekend long with some of our conversations. So uh, I liked it more than I thought I would, at least to this time. Now, what is happening behind me, and you'll hear... If people get fired up behind me at the bench press, I'm kind of referencing if you're watching us on Facebook, our Facebook page, ESPN 690, or on 
uh, Twitter at Brent A.S. Jacks or on our YouTube channel, Action Sports Jacks, and Twitch as well at ESPN 690 Jacks. But there are bleachers set up. There's bench pressing going on with the offensive linemen right now, and fans are just watching it, checking out. So once in a while you'll hear a big ovation or people get really fired up because the guy's on his 28th rep and they're trying to get to rep number 29. Uh, that's kind of the scene here. On the other side of uh, if you can see, is a, a blue curtain. And on the other side, there are more interviews being done. And that's the offensive linemen and the running backs taken to the podium. And tomorrow it will be Haskins and Murray and the rest of the quarterback class. But right now it's the offensive linemen and the running backs. I stopped over there right before the show uh, for a couple of minutes. I tweeted out a Devin Singletary uh, uh, minute or so from the podium and got a couple other ones. But because we're here doing the show, it's hard to go gather uh, a lot of uh, reaction from the offensive linemen and the running backs. Again, Jawan Taylor, the Florida Gator, who figures to maybe be a top 10 pick on the offensive line. 24 reps um, in the uh, bench press, and he's probably currently right now on one of the podiums talking. So uh, that's setting the scene for you here at the Combine in Indianapolis. The big story is we welcome back in Austin Lane, back in Jacksonville, Kyla Murray's measurables. Let's talk more about it right now. Five foot ten and an eighth. Uh, for Murray, 207 pounds. Any concern about the hand size of Kyler Murray? Nine and a half. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't feel like an expert talking about this, but here's the concern when people... It, it sounds so silly, doesn't it? But the concern about the hand size is being able to hang on to the football, right? Putting it on the ground, fumbles, and also if you have inclement weather, depending on which franchise you go to, well... The bigger the hands, the better. Like, think about Russell Wilson. He has huge hands, 10 and a quarter inch hands. That's really big. Well, he plays in rainy Seattle. That helps him out a lot to be able to grip that football. So while it seems like a silly measurable, it also comes in, if you will, handy at times. (laughs) Nicely done. Yeah, hey, I mean... Hey, by the way, that was not pre-planned. It just kind of rolled off. Oh, I'm sure it was, and I'm sure he's got it written down and everything at, at the Combine right now because we can't see him. Listen, I, I'm not going to put too much stake into the hand size because we have to remember uh, he played in college, and it didn't seem to bother him that much. Um, so, you know, from a perspective, obviously, when you get to the playoffs and stuff, you might find some inclement weather. Uh, usually, it's going to be colder weather, you know, and you have some rain games as well, but... It's something where if he didn't have problems with it in college, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put it as a red flag now. I'm not I'm really not. Yeah, well here's the problem with that though, Austin. Anytime you bring up college to me and Kyler Murray and say, Well, okay, he didn't have any problems or, or any quarterback really for that matter, but I'm gonna say Kyler Murray. And I, I I've still got this thing, okay, about the Big Twelve. I still have this deal where that's not even close to NFL football. Like, college game is not close to NFL football. The Big 12 is closer to the CFL in terms of how spread out things are. <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, it just doesn't feel like the same game. And I'm, listen, there have been plenty of players that have come from Big 12 schools and played really well. There have not been a ton of quarterbacks that have done that. Now, what you're going to say, and I get it, and it's fair, and I, and I understand it, and maybe because the NFL is changing, this is really valid. Patrick Mahomes recently, and now Baker Mayfield looks promising. That's a very fair take. But you're giving me two examples, and that's about it. You know, Sam Bradford, okay, got hurt a lot. How good would he have been? We don't know. 
you know, you there is not a long list is my point. I think you can at least come with me on that part, and we'll see where this this new age quarterback out of the Big 12 relating to the NFL comes into play. And so far in the last couple of years with Mahomes and Mayfield, it works. But I'm telling you, that's a big reservation for me when it comes to Kyler Murray or any QB out of the uh, Big 12. With uh, as far as the hand size is concerned? No, no, just oh. in terms of the play. Oh, I got you. Yeah, because I mean, I was going to say, just getting back to the the hand no, size. Not the hand size. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the play the play is they're wide open, man. They don't play defense. No. I understand that, Brent, but we have to understand, like, this is a, this is a new age of football. And whether you like it or not, I mean, Baker Mayfield, you know, uh, Patrick Mahomes, I'm like, these are kind of a new breed of style. Yes. Now the, the, the Big 12 doesn't necessarily translate to NFL and, um, you're not really going to see a lot of spread offenses like they do in the Big 12. And let's be honest, there's a lot better defenses in the NFL than there is in the Big 12 as well. But at the same time, there's got to be some kind of correlation. Because, or else, how how would you define Patrick Mahomes? How would you define Baker Mayfield? And by the way, speaking of Baker Mayfield, his hand size was nine and one fourth, and was, he yeah. and he plays in Cleveland. I think he's doing okay so far. Well, okay, but again, it's listen. Let's not send Baker Mayfield to the Hall of Fame just yet. I mean, Baker Mayfield had some promising moments last year. He wasn't Patrick Mahomes. And he's still got a long way to go. I'm not ready to crown Baker Mayfield. He got off to a good start, better than a lot of people thought. But I'm not sending him to the Hall of Fame. So Mahomes, he feels like a bit of an outlier to me from the Big 12 standpoint. And from the hand size stuff with Mayfield, you're right so far. Again, but let's see how that one plays. I mean, they were 7-8-1. I, I know he did a lot. I, and, and he was better than people expected. I get it. But I would say, in, in your terms, pump the brakes a little bit <laughs> on uh, on Baker Mayfield. i got to get back. Let me ask you this, though. And, and just to see if my hysteria, which is not really hysteria, but a lack of a better word, um, at least it over-dramatizes my, my take, um, about the Big 12. You know, I understand the game's changing. But in the NFL, they still don't run 90 plays like they do in the Big 12, where defenses are just gassed and can get off the field, so you can't even get lined up before they run another play. And the last check I had, NFL receivers aren't running three yards wide open. So I don't think the game has changed that much. Sure, it's probably going to be a little bit more than it ever has been toward that passing style, but it. my point is it's a different game. You're still not running three yards wide open in the NFL on every play. In the Big 12, you are. I understand that, but... I think you're putting a little too much into it because let's be honest here. In the past, let's say, I don't know, 10 drafts or whatever like that, how many how many good quarterbacks has the Big Ten produced? And we're, we're talking about Dwayne Haskins being the number one quarterback, going, and he's from the Big Ten, obviously. I mean, I can't think of really one quarter. I mean, Kirk Cousins, I guess. Well, Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, but, but but I'm saying for the past 10 years, though. Yeah. Um... Is my point. Like. There's C.J. Beathard, Chad Henney, Jake Ruddick, Connor Cook. like, And that's kind of my point, Trevor Simeon. I mean, like, there's not – I don't want to say it comes in waves, Brent, but it's just you can't dig into the numbers sometimes. I mean, there's really no explanation because there really hasn't been a legit quarterback from the Big Ten, in, in, like I said, in the past ten years besides – Kirk Cousins, and, and and that's and that's debatable as well because you saw what he did with Minnesota this past season. Yeah, we're missing somebody in there. We're gonna go back. I haven't done well, that. Hey. And you can get the misses, by the way. You're gonna get the misses in the SEC. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and 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 to your point, I mean, listen, quarterbacks come all different shapes and sizes, and that comes from universities too. I mean, they come from Delaware to Eastern Illinois 
you know, you find your quarterbacks all over the place. And North Dakota State and Carson Wentz. So, I get it. But I'm telling you, if you go back and you look, the Big Ten's done better than the Big 12. Um, so, it's a concern. Christian Hattenberg, saying, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> saying it's 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 like make or break. I just don't think people talk about it enough. We're talking about hand size and a guy five foot ten instead of five foot eleven. Well, I'll talk about what kind of football he played. And to me, there's a difference uh, in that. All right, when we come back, the most overrated measurable. And I never gave you my comparison to Russell Wilson that nobody's talking about a little bit. That's so, and, and Brent, you know what? You nailed the man. That's one guy from the Big Ten who's actually doing really well. Yeah, he's Russell ACC Wilson. and Big Ten. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a good call. Yeah. Uh, he is from the Big Ten in terms of Wisconsin. All right, more to come from the Combine in Indianapolis next. Hey, welcome back to the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. Brent Morton along with Austin Lane back in Jacksonville. we got you covered from Jacksonville to Indy here on the NFL front and beyond. Big news in the uh, sports world, Major League Baseball. Bryce Harper headed to the Philadelphia Phillies. We'll get into that in just a little bit. we got some local action back in Jacksonville when it comes to basketball, both on the girls' side. Bishop Kenny playing for a state championship tonight, so uh, we'll check in with Stuart Weber hopefully on that game coming up tonight. Pretty cool stuff for uh, Bishop Kenny and some of the locals. In fact, there are some other girls' teams, Bartram Trail and Nice, playing tomorrow in the state Final Four. So it's that time of year when it comes to uh, local sports back home in Jacksonville. Of course, the big thing in the NFL is this NFL Combine, and it's well underway here in Indianapolis as we bring in uh, Austin Lane once again. We were talking before the break about measurables, and one of the things I have on social media right now is what are the most overrated uh, measurables in sports, not just in football, not just at the Combine, but in sports in general. So that will be fun to talk about. But I want to get back to Russell Wilson for a moment because that's the comparison right now. Uh, isn't it, Austin? I mean, everybody kind of measures Kyler Murray or any short quarterback up against Russell Wilson because he's five foot eleven. He was two hundred and four pounds when he weighed in at the combine years ago. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's there's kind of a Drew Brees comparison too. You could go with because Drew Brees is a little bit on the shorter side. But when you're talking about an athlete like Kyler Murray, and there, it's not a knock on Drew Brees. Uh, Drew Brees is an athlete in his own right. But when you're talking about an athlete, a dual sport athlete that played baseball, then yes, the comparisons of Russell Wilson are definitely going to pop up. Um, you know, it, it it's so weird because you think of Russell Wilson like as this. Cause I, I played against him, you know, and I'm not sure if it was the shoulder pads that he's wearing, but he just seemed like he was a lot bigger than whatever 207 pounds that he weighed at the combine. Now, granted, maybe he gained weight uh, when he got to the league and whatnot, and the Seahawks got him on, on the strength program. But to me, right now, Russell Wilson seems a lot bigger than Kyler Murray. Once again, I haven't seen Kyler Murray in person, but from like the videos that I've seen from uh, from watching some film on him, he still seems like a smaller dude. Yeah, and well, you brought up a great, and that's where, exactly where I wanted to go with this when it comes to Russell Wilson. First of all, I think there are two things to keep an eye on. If you want to compare to Russell Wilson, one, it's dangerous because he's been unbelievable and overachieved more than anybody ever thought or everybody would have picked him before the third round, including the Jaguars instead of a punter. Yep, got to always mention that. What's up, uh, Anger? But, <laughs> yeah, we love Brian Anger, but seriously, uh, <laughs> that happened. Um, the but But here's the deal. My view is when you have something that's deficient in sports, you better be able to make it up with something that's superior to everyone else. And so from for just Russell Wilson's sake, from a physical specimen, when it comes to the NFL, it was much talked about. It's why he dropped 
in the draft to the third round. You want a six foot three quarterback, two hundred and thirty pounds, whatever it might be, two twenty five, two forty. Well, Russell Wilson was not that. He was five foot eleven and change and two hundred and four pounds. So that dropped him. Everybody for said, forget about the tape, forget about it, this guy can throw, forget about all these intangibles. That's gonna drop him because that's not what prototypical quarterbacks look like in the NFL. So because he was not the prototypical quarterback from a physical point of view, what I think nobody could measure on Russell Wilson is his ability to lead at such an extraordinary level. You hear the stories. You know, we were around Gus Bradley, who was around Seattle in those early days of Russell Wilson. So we would hear some stories when when Gus was in Jacksonville. But you've heard him. I mean, you can tell. You can tell that the room reacts to him. You can tell he says, come follow me. He's he's just a, he seems like a different cat when it comes to the leadership ability, and I don't think that's an easy thing to measure for scouts. You don't do that at a combine. I don't even think the college coaches can always tell you how that will relate to an NFL locker room. So you got to get a little lucky there. But he does that at such a high level that I think it offsets what he's deficient in, and that's his physical size. So always remember that Kyler Murray is going to have to do something that's so special. Now some people would say, okay, speed. Well, I watched some of these plays from that Oklahoma, those Oklahoma games, and I'm not sure he's going to be able to be as creative and avoid uh, defenders in the NFL that way. Keep in mind, NFL defenders have gotten faster over the years, probably even since Russell Wilson entered the league. Speed, 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 just about on every team and everywhere. Uh, the athlete gets bigger, faster, stronger all the time. So maybe that's it. But what does he do as an extraordinary level that we can't see that will separate him and make up for his lack of size? So I don't think that's talked about enough. That's one thing. The other thing is you kind of hinted at it, uh, Austin. He was 204 pounds coming into the league. You know what Russell Wilson plays at now? I have no idea. 215. Hmm. So we're looking at a guy in Kyler Murray who's 207 pounds today, where most people thought he might be. 190, 194, 197. Well, everybody thinks what? He added weight in the last couple of weeks, last month or so, to look good at the combine. We have no idea what he'll play like when he starts the year in the fall, when he goes through hot uh, training camp practices and loses some weight. You know, what will he feel comfortable at? My point is, Russell Wilson had the frame to be able to go from 204, and I don't think it was a manufactured 204 at the time, to try to impress the height and weight machine. I think he went from there, and then he put more muscle on as he grew into more of a man and also in the NFL program to get to 215. Do you envision Kyler Murray ever playing at 215? I think that's a question these guys are going to have to ask themselves. Absolutely, yeah. When it comes to the frame, and like I said, Brent, I haven't seen Kyler Murray in person, so it's hard to judge just what I see on tape and whatnot and what I see in pictures. Russell Wilson kind of always had, and I don't know how to the exact term to use here, but you know, I don't want to call him pudgy because he's not pudgy, obviously, but he was more like, I guess you would say, wide-bodied. Um, you yeah, know, even guy, yeah, yeah, he's he a thick guy. Yeah, well. even in college. So tough. Yeah, yeah. W- with Kyler Murray, I feel like he's a little more of like like a. I guess he's lanky, you would say. So whether or not his body can respond to putting another fifteen pounds on, listen, if 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 it's muscle, then absolutely. I mean, I think anybody can can put on ten pounds of muscle and and have great benefits from it. But something that you brought up, uh, an interesting fact, was the whole 
Russell Wilson being a good leader. You know, and then that's something that you might not have seen at the combine. Obviously, people are talking about his height. Um, scouts may not have been aware of his leadership qualities. And I'm going to give it to you for the fact that when he went from NC State and he, he went to Wisconsin, I mean, he literally went over that locker room like his first week there. You know, and this was a Wisconsin Badgers team that was poised to make a run that just didn't have a quarterback. You know, I mean, and then Buma did a great job of bringing Russell Wilson there. I mean, his his only season there, he had 33 touchdowns and four interceptions. That's pretty good, if you ask me. So from the leadership standpoint, yes, I think he, he is a great leader. But at the same time, I mean, you got to remember, Brent, that Badger team was a quarterback away from doing some special things. And that's what exactly what they got with Russell Wilson. So saying he's a great leader, while I agree with you, he also found himself in a pretty good situation. Now let's fast forward for a second to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, you know, the Seahawks kind of, people say they reached up a little bit, grabbed Russell Wilson, um, wasn't, you know, guaranteed the starter right away. But with that Seahawks team, that defense ran that team. That defense was the leadership. Now, don't get me wrong. On offense, it might have been, you know, I'm sure Wilson had a lot of input and whatnot, and, and he had those characteristics as well. But you got to remember, too, they had Marshawn Lynch um, in the backfield. So to say Russell Wilson came in right away and was the, the leader of the locker room, I'm not sure how I feel about that just because that defense was so well-known. Um, they were very outspoken, very vocal, and it, the, the defense was actually the heart of that team. So when we're talking about Kyler Murray now and the leadership thing, listen, we don't have a lot to go off of. All we have to go off of is the fact that he was on one interview, you know, on, on the um, on, a, on, a, on basically a, a show at, at the Super Bowl, and he didn't answer questions that well. But let's remember, though, too, he had this opportunity at Oklahoma where Baker Mayfield was the man, Baker Mayfield wins the Heisman, and Baker Mayfield has a really great season. Well, then Kyler Murray comes in, and the Oklahoma Sooners don't miss a beat. So one could argue that coming out of college, Kyler Murray just has as much leadership qualities as Russell Wilson did. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. And, and by the way, that's what else makes this a perfect situation for Russell Wilson. Keep in mind, it's not us compared. Everybody else is compared to mm-hmm. Russell Wilson. And you you said it. And I wanted to bring that up actually from the weight standpoint too. He might have started at 204, but because he wasn't asked to do much, he wasn't running around like he does now. He wasn't asked to throw it 35, 38 times a game. Russell Wilson was asked to throw it like 25 times a game in those first couple of years. Marshawn Lynch used the defense exactly like you said. So he had this buffer of time to not only build his frame, but also build his leadership ability, get the respect of his teammates, all those things. If you ask Kyler Murray to come into a situation right away where he doesn't have all that at his disposal, he doesn't have this defense, a running game, but they ask him to do too much, it could be detrimental for him. So I think... I think that's the overall picture on this. It's Don't just look at the measure of this, but look at the scenario and situation these guys get put in. I always say it. Russell Wilson, would he be the player he is today? Would he already have the legacy he has today if he did get picked up by the Jacksonville Jaguars back in that draft? And I think the resounding answer to that would be no. He got put in a fantastic situation out in Seattle. And he grew, and he blossomed, and now he's in a position where he can carry that franchise in Seattle. I'm not sure you could have said his path would have been just as successful if he ended up in Jacksonville. And that's why the NFL is so situational. You have to find a good spot, especially for the quarterback. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, and with Russ Wilson, I've had the opportunity to meet him a couple times. I've actually played against him when I played for Murray State. We played NC State. And obviously, I've never had Russ Wilson as a teammate. So I can't say what kind of teammate he is, but he's actually a really soft-spoken dude from just conversations and whatnot. Now, maybe he's different in the locker room, but from what I've kind of garnered talking to his teammates and whatnot, he's not the most vocal guy. Like, you know, he's going to get in your face and things like that. And that's what we had to remember, too, with, with leadership is you don't have to be the rah-rah guy, especially at quarterback. If, if your quarterback play performs well, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna earn the respect of that, that your team in the locker room. So I think QB play is the ultimate form of leadership. Yeah, and he also won a lot of people over his just that first year. I mean, people saw his work ethic, how he was adapting, what he was learning, and said, all right, this guy's for real. <laughs> a lot of respect in there. Hey, a lot more NFL talk to get to, include Jason Witten out of the booth and back to the Cowboys. Why couldn't he come to the Jags? That's next on Action Sports Jackson, ESPN 690. Don't shake your head, Osher. You know what's fascinating to me? What do you got? Yesterday, I was having issues with the camera falling asleep. Never figured it out. But about halfway through the show, it never fell asleep again. Well, it kind of feels, knock on wood, but for the first like segment or two, it would fall asleep. I'd have to wake it up. It's not falling asleep anymore. I have no idea what happened. Huh. I don't know. I mean, this this stuff intrigues me, people, okay? There's a lot going on here. You think we just talk sports. I mean, I got cameras set up. I got this live view unit to go back to the Action News Jack Studios. We got a whole unit here off Wi-Fi and Ethernet. I got my computer, phone. We're tweeting. We're talking. There's a lot happening. There's a lot I mean, happening here, too, man. We're just trying to keep this radio show afloat right now. Wow, well, we're fine with that. Don't worry about yeah, that. I got you. Well, I mean, come on. Well, well, by the way, you're, all you're doing is sitting there. You eating make it sound so easy. Well, I, and, and I was going like, to say, too, like it sucks because you know I'm sitting here eating and whatnot, and I'm watching coups, and we have some... <laughs> <laughs> IT guys like you know coming in and out and whatnot, and I can't do anything. Like when it comes to tech savviness, I don't really possess that per se. So like I feel bad. I can't help out with anything because you know I mean I'm I'm trying to help out. I'm trying to be part of the team, and I can't do anything. So yeah, I'm just sitting here off, and watching eat. people come in and come out. <laughs> yeah. By the and, and that's what happened. If you were with us at the top of the show, all heck broke loose. Really, about three minutes before the show, because we had a power hit at the station, and apparently it wasn't. Obviously not weather-related. The weather's nice in Jacksonville today, I think. Uh, but something happened with the, with people working around the building and somehow got the uh, power to, I think, all our radio stations. So hopefully everyone's back up and running. But uh, we made it just in time, but we had to work through some things in the first half hour. Kuz is doing a really good job uh, of that, and I think they're still uh, trying to get some of it back. So appreciate your patience, but it happened. It, it, this had actually zero to do with us being in Indianapolis. That would have happened uh, even if we were back in the studios, mm-hmm. but uh, probably magnifies it a little bit that we're in Indianapolis. Hey, real quick on the uh, – the well, first, do we have the happy hour horn? Grab happy a drink, hour. get a shot, and tip your star tenders, baby. It's Thursday Thursday. Ah, very nice. By the way, um, I might have gone out last night a little bit, but I didn't really get a ton of How did of that go? Time. They say tonight's the night. Uh, business I've seen a trend a here. Bit. You're just going to keep saying tonight's the night and yeah. keep going out. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Well, I had to test it last night. I mean, <laughs> see if anything was happening. And it is, it, it, it is, uh, it's interesting to me because what this isn't, this doesn't happen to the listener or the viewer watching. Um, and so I, 
we live in a different world sometimes. But when you're at the Jags building, you, you'll see all the Jags people. You'll see players. You'll see coaches. You'll see medical staff. You'll see anyone from Mark Lamping to the salespeople to, you know, there's a lot of people that work in the Jags building. We talk about the players and the coaches a lot, but there's a lot. Well, it basically feels like we've turned the convention center into the NFL building here in Indianapolis. So you just see all these people, and they've got obviously all 32 teams, uh, logos on it. And anyone, and what's, what's interesting is when you're walking around, there's also a lot of networking that takes place. And I'm not talking about the media necessarily. I mean people looking for coaching jobs or trying to get relationships to potentially get a coaching job down the line. In fact, I, I ran into an old buddy from Ashland University, my alma mater, who was coaching in Houston, and he's up here just looking to make contacts to potentially get a job in the NFL. So it's, it's almost feels like a job fair at times. So when you walk down these hallways, everybody's head is on a swivel. They almost like look at you like, hey, are you the G- like, uh, GM of whatever, or are you a scout? Because I want to introduce myself, you know, it's it's a really interesting setup um, that everybody's kind of trying to look across the way and figure out who everyone else is. Yeah. Because they could potentially form a relationship that might land a job down the road. Very intriguing business, and I think you see it all right here in Indianapolis at the NFL Combine. Well, yeah, you're trying to figure out who it is and also what their intentions are, which. Coos kind of makes me wonder the fact that Brent went there by himself, didn't ask anybody to come with him. You know, there's no invites. I wonder if, uh, if Brent's trying to apply someplace else, he's going to leave us behind. We've been talking about conspiracy jag theories yeah. for like three episodes. We need to Let's talk, talk about, about our actual conspiracy show conspiracy Brent Martino theories. theories right now. What's <laughs> That's up, Brent? That's a good idea. What's well, up, listen, Brent? If I, if, I mean, you're just going to pay me more than the million I'm making already. <laughs> <laughs> Simple as that. Fair enough. Um, but... Uh, I don't think that's happening. I don't think they're asking asking around for us. But if we keep losing power, Coos, I'm going to blame you, and then I'm just going to say I'm out of here. That's all right. That's the producer's job is to get blamed. <laughs> yeah, I've already blamed you a few times in the show, and part some of it wasn't even your fault. I mean, some of it is, but some of it isn't. Uh, I have a question out there right now. Um, why do we care about quarterbacks' feelings, Austin Lane? Where, where's this question coming from? Well, it, what, the question what comes. The question goes for the mantra we hear in Jacksonville, and I think they protect not just Jacksonville, but across the NFL. But I think GMs, coaches, everybody kind of protect the um, the foundation of the QB position. And I think the best example of that right now is Josh Rosen in Arizona. Didn't it feel like? Everybody, when they hired Kingsbury, they everybody made the association with Kyler Murray and said, oh, they're going to get rid of Rosen and pick Murray mm-hmm. as that first pick. And to the point where the Arizona franchise came out and tweeted and said, Josh, or, or I think they issued a statement or uh, Kingsbury said, Rosen is our guy. But they all supported it and said, Rosen is our guy. Stop the rumors. Correct. Well, now you come to the combine, and Steve Keim, the general manager, says he's our quarterback right now. Uh, uh-oh. He said the two words that we keep hearing in Jacksonville yeah. right 
now. That that feels like the vote of confidence that a coach gets, which is deadly. Mm-hmm. And right now has become that new phrase. Let's listen in to the Cardinals GM, Steve Kahn, talking about the QB situation. We haven't even gone through a full evaluation at all the positions. So really, it's, it's again, too early to say. Is Josh Rosen our quarterback? Yeah, he is right now for sure. <laughs> he is right now for sure. Well, that's easy to say. Just go look at the roster on their webpage. Yeah. Yes, he is for now, right now. So, okay, so we go from that, Austin, and then I'm going to take you to the Raiders situation, and I think we have reaction from Mike Mayock talking about Derek Carr. Do I consider I, – I think Derek Carr is a franchise quarterback. I, I truly believe that. Now, do I also believe that – uh, it's a general manager and head coach's job to, to keep their eyes open to improve any position on a football team? Sure. But I think it's really difficult to try to improve over a franchise quarterback like the one we have in our building right now. Okay, so he, let me wait a minute. Just so he doesn't go back and you have to look at his quote down the road, Mayock says he's the franchise quarterback, but I'm always looking, but I think we're pretty good with the franchise quarterback we have right now. Yeah. I mean, so he's, I got he's one a more. franchise quarterback, but he's not your franchise quarterback, maybe. <laughs> exactly. And now we go to the New York Giants situation with Eli Manning, where everybody in New York and everybody around the NFL figures Eli Manning is on his last leg and almost done. Well, here's Pat Shermer, the coach of the Giants. We haven't even hit free agency yet. You know, I, like I told my conversation with Eli back right after right after the season ended. And uh, we are where we are. Like Pat said, there's a million different models. There's a million different ways to, to do this. Uh, I, you, I, you could cite a number of, of models where they had a veteran guy and they, they drafted a young guy. And at some point in time, the torch got passed and, you know, away everybody went. And, and it was a happy away everybody went. There's, there's still a lot of time to make these decisions. So you, you you haven't committed to Eli for 2019. I just told you it's it's all we're evaluating everything, and we just got to keep moving forward. <laughs> By the way, that was Dave Gettleman, the GM. My bad. Uh, Pat Shermer had before said uh, here in Indianapolis that he basically gave Eli the vote of confidence. So uh, so anyway, Austin, I go back to the question. You hear all that. And you see what's going on in Arizona, where a lot of people still don't believe the Cardinals and believe that they might go with Kyler Murray and get rid of Rosen. But I feel, why does it feel like they don't do this around a linebacker or a tight end or even a star wide receiver? Sure. They do this. Why do they coddle the quarterback if they think a guy's better? Just say, hey, somebody else might be better, and this guy better get his butt going or he's going to be out of here. The answer is clear as day. It's 100% simple. The fact that quarterbacks get coddled and there's almost a double standard compared to any other position in the NFL is the fact that quarterbacks feed off confidence. As soon as a quarterback loses his confidence, it's it's like a boxer, it's like a fighter. They're done, you know. And um, we and I don't want to say we saw it with Blaine Gabbert, but hey, what happened to Blaine Gabbert in Jacksonville? Dave Garrard gets let go unexpectedly about six, I think it was six days before the first game against Tennessee. They throw Blaine Gabbard in and immediately his confidence just gets shot because I don't think he was ready, in my opinion. So when when an NFL team, when a GM, when a coach says, yeah, he's our guy or he's our guy for now, I mean, this is just reaffirming the confidence. It's it's showing like, hey, we believe in you. Because what is a coach going to say? I don't know. He might be our guy. He might not be. That doesn't show, uh, you know, it doesn't show you have confidence in that player. And we're talking about the quarterback position, the face of the team, um, a position where it's more mental than anything. You got to have that confidence. 
Yeah, I think right now has become, that phrase right now has become the new vote of confidence from the general manager or owner to the coach. And that means you're on notice. Well, let me you ask know? you, let me ask you this, Brent and Austin, cause, cause I'm looking at it from a different angle. Out of curiosity, could this be them helping their trade value potentially if they're going to move on from these quarterbacks by saying, yeah, we don't want them? That could lower the value, right? It, and that's, and that's a very good point, point, uh, Kuz, that that's really where it's at. Like, from the Jags situation, that's exactly where it's at. Yeah. I think we lost Brent again there, but Brent was going to make a good point. And Kuz actually bringing a little football knowledge to the show. Congratulations. Yeah. You're, you're still uh, you're still struggling back there with the keys and whatnot, but it's okay. Uh, we'll keep pushing through. But, yeah, Kuz, that's an excellent point. Listen, uh, with football or with poker, you never show the hand that you that you have. That's, that's rule number one. And to say that Blake Bortles would get – that the Jaguars could get something for Blake Bortles – Probably not. You know, I don't, I don't see that anybody wanted to trade for Blake Bortles, you know, s- sacrificing a draft pick. Oh, we got Brent back. All right. Oh, we don't have. Okay. So Kuz Sorry, is, going into commercial in a minute. Sorry, that was what I was saying. <laughs> okay. But anyway, so getting back to my point where I, I don't see anybody wanting to trade for Blake Bortles. I think there is a market for Blake Bortles. And we're going to talk about that later of which teams do I think and Brent thinks uh, Blake Bortles could actually end up at. But from a from a standard and from a point where we think that a team would trade from, I don't think so. But it's always important because hey, we uh, the San Francisco 49ers traded for Blaine Gabbert, you know, so we obviously got the better end of that deal. So you never know. So teams are always going to play close to the chest until the very last minute, um, until they have to cut ties to try to save some money. But until that time, uh, teams will be very cryptic and not really say that much. All right, uh, welcome good back, stuff, Austin. Yeah, yeah, thanks for uh, picking that up. I didn't realize I was not. I was, <laughs> I was actually pontificating in a fantastic way uh, at the moment. Uh, but when we come back, we'll pontificate a little bit more, and we will get to a little conspiracy theory from Austin Lane on the Kyler Murray front. That's coming up. Also, big uh, basketball weekend in town for a local hoop team. That conversation as well on the way as we are live from Jacksonville to Indianapolis at the NFL Combine. On Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Welcome back here to Indianapolis, Indiana, NFL Combine 2019. Brett Martino here, Austin Lane back in Jacksonville along with Coos. And uh, figuring it all out on a Thursday as we continue to talk a lot about the NFL and especially the quarterback situations, uh, not only in Jacksonville but across the NFL. You know, One of the things we'll get to in just a little bit, where will Blake Bortles land? It's a poll question I have out there on social media. So um, where do you think he will end up eventually, uh, assuming, again, he's not in Jacksonville in 2019? But right now, let's talk a little hoops and welcome in Joshua Jackson from EWC, Edward Waters College. And they've got a big tournament they're hosting for the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference coming up this weekend. Starts tomorrow, rolls through Sunday. What's up, man? How you doing? Guys, thanks so much for having me, man. Uh, how's everything up in Indianapolis? It's still cold up there, Brent? It's pretty good. I, uh, it's cold, but everything's inside for the most part. So uh, I'm just working on my bench press in 40 time. <laughs> <laughs> I got you, man. I got you. <laughs> what, uh, what, tell us a little bit about what you got going on this weekend. How were you guys able to host, and how competitive can you be in it over the weekend? Well, we're very excited to host uh, for the third time in our, our school's history, the uh, Gulf Coast Athletic Conference Basketball Championships uh, uh, right here in Jacksonville, right on our campus at Edward Waters College. Uh, it'll happen on March 1st through the 3rd, so tomorrow through Sunday. Uh, you'll come see eight teams. Uh, we'll all be battling for uh, trips to the uh, NAIA 
uh, national championship tournament on the men's and women's side. So 16 teams altogether, eight on the women's side, eight on the men's side. Exciting basketball uh, that you'll see, exciting college basketball, and uh, and the only uh, conference in the entire NAIA. Uh, which all the institutions are historically black colleges and universities, but exciting basketball will be happening all, all weekend long, and uh, I was very, very excited to host it for the third time in our school history. Joshua Jackson from Edward Waters College. By the way, no truth to the rumor. Actually, this might be fact. You probably have more rings than anybody in Jacksonville. I, I don't know about that as of yet, but uh, I'll, I'll just say I'm very thankful for the uh, the, the other organizations that, that I, I work for in the in the off season. So, uh, but it, it's uh, it, it is a blessing, man. I, I have a lot of fun doing what I do. Name it, name them. How many Jacksonville Giants ones do you have? Oh man, uh, well I've been uh, with the Giants uh, all years, all of their years. So I have all five, five. of their rings. Yeah. Uh, I have two from the Jacksonville Sharks, so that makes seven. And I have one when Edward Waters College won the Black College National Championship in baseball back in 2011. So I have eight rings altogether. <laughs> How about that? That's pretty good. Where do you keep them? <laughs> uh, I actually have a safe deposit box that, that, that I keep them in. I, I don't want to, my, my sister teases me all the time about uh, should I? Uh, she, she wants to sell them and, and pawn them and things like that. I'm like, nah. I want to pass them down to when, when I have some kids, pass them down, and then you know, kind of keep that uh, uh, that that lineage going. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, 37th Annual Gulf Coast Athletic Conference Basketball Championships coming to Edward Waters College this weekend. Starts tomorrow, goes through Sunday. How can uh, folks get involved, be there, check it out, and see some good basketball? You can do it two ways. You can either log on to the uh, conference's website at gcaconf.com. Or you can log on to the Edward Waters Athletics website at ewctigerpride.com. Uh, Edward Waters does uh, open on the women's side. They'll open the tournament tomorrow at 9 o'clock in the morning as the Woo! number four seed. They'll take on Philander Smith, uh, the number five seed in that 4-5 matchup. And then uh, later on in the afternoon, Edward Waters on the men's side, they're the sixth seed in this year's tournament. They'll take on number three seed, Diller University, at 3 o'clock p.m. tomorrow uh, right here at the Adams Jenkins Community Sports Music Complex on our campus. So, again, uh, gcaconf.com. Uh, for for information as well as ewctigerpride.com, we definitely want to have the entire city of Jacksonville come out and definitely uh, hopefully root on the the, the Tigers to uh, to a couple championships. Breakfast in basketball, you gotta love it. Uh, Nine o'clock tip time for the ladies tomorrow morning. Hey, a lot of good stuff happening on the EWC campus as well, so people will get a chance to check that out. Uh, exciting times over there. Absolutely. Uh, we, we are very, very excited about the things that are going on here. We're about to break ground on our, our new football stadium here in the next uh, few weeks. Uh, baseball season's up and running. Softball season's up and running. Track and field uh, is up and running. Spring football for EWC is about to get going here uh, in, in the next few days. So uh, it's exciting and busy times around here at EWC, but I, I couldn't ask for anything better. We're having a lot of fun uh, over here on the north side. Uh, Joshua Jackson, you see him all over town at a lot of different events. He and uh, Henry Smith do a great job over at Edward Waters College. Have a good weekend, man. Hopefully a lot of people will go check it out. And good luck uh, to the Tigers. Thanks so much, man. Stay warm up there. We'll talk soon. All right. Joshua Jackson joining us here on ESPN 690 as they get set for a tournament. That's pretty cool. You watch a little 9 a.m. basketball. That's, uh, that kind of feels even um, more intense in the NCAA tournament first rounds. Those things don't usually start until uh, noontime. But 9 a.m. for EWC tomorrow. All right, let's bring in Austin Lane once again. I want to get to your conspiracy theory on uh, Kyler Murray. <laughs> why isn't he throwing? Uh, why, wh- what are your thoughts on that? And do you think it will impact him at all? Listen, when I when I started out this combine week, I was the first guy to say, don't read into anything like that. And then what, what did you say on Twitter? You said it's part of my job and no, I have to do it. So I'm giving you the full effect tinfoil Austin Lane um, hat that I got to offer here. So... 
this is just I'm not saying it's what's what's going on, but it just makes you kind of raise your brow a little bit for the fact that, yes, it is a little suspicious that Kyler Murray isn't participating in these workouts. And I get it. The combine, especially for quarterbacks, it's set up for you not to succeed. That's why a lot of quarterbacks don't do it. With Dwayne Haskins doing it, it it tells me a couple things. Number one, he probably knows he's probably going to be the top quarterback selected, we would think. And it also shows that he's very confident in his abilities and the fact that he's going to risk it a little bit. He's going to be, you know, on the NFL Network in front of the whole world throwing balls and doing drills and whatnot. Um, it shows that he has confidence in his abilities. So as a competitor, as a quarterback, as as a guy that's, you know, you're kind of, I don't want to say you're neck and neck with Dwayne Haskins. I think Dwayne Haskins is above you a little bit. If you're Kyler Murray, why wouldn't you want to compete too at the combine? Why wouldn't you want to show like, yeah, Dwayne Haskins is pretty good, but I'm better. I, I can outshine him. I can outperform him. So if you're Kyler Murray, why wouldn't you want to participate and do the combine drills? Which brought me to the question, especially after the GM just got done saying Josh Rosen is our guy for now, at the moment. <laughs> you know, he didn't have to say that, Brent. All he could have said was Josh Rosen's our guy and all right, all right, Josh Rosen's the guy. But now he says that little thing at the end and we got to take it to heart. So with that being said, with Murray not throwing, it makes you wonder – does Murray know something that nobody else right now at the Combine knows? And that's that the Arizona Cardinals are talking to him and possibly said, we're taking you number one. So you think it might be a done deal? I'm not saying it's a done deal. Honestly, I think there's nothing to it. But um, <laughs> you're you're the one that wanted me to get all in-depth and stuff and wear that tinfoil hat. So it just raises a couple eyebrows is all. That's, But it's not a bad theory, right? I mean, that can happen. Um, that can happen, especially with that number one pick, where 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 you could do some of that diligence with the. I mean, we're still two months away. There's a lot that could happen, but maybe Kyler Murray's camp feels like there's a chance. You know, maybe there's been enough intel from the agent and camp to say, hey, we don't need to prove anything here. Let's, in fact. Is there any part of it? See, what I think he's at, my first thought, Austin, was he's losing the, this this time period. Like, he comes off with the, the terrible interview. Mm-hmm. People are wondering about the, you know, the height and the weight, and there's question marks, and is it baseball or football, and are you committed fully, even though he says he's committed fully, and now you're not throwing. So, like, my point was like, or my point of view, my initial reaction was like, man, this guy's hurting his stock. But you might be right. It could be the exact opposite. You know, and me speaking from a football player, and granted, like, like I said, I don't know Kyler Murray, so I don't know how the dude operates. I don't know what he's thinking. But one would think, listen, you're Kyler Murray. You won the Heisman Trophy. You put up some serious points on the Alabama Crimson Tide. All right? You went to the college football playoff. You got a guy like Dwayne Haskins who's coming from Ohio State who didn't take his team to the playoff who had a pretty successful season, but didn't win the Heisman Trophy, and everyone's talking about him going as a top quarterback, why wouldn't you, I mean, from a pride standpoint, and, and I understand, people can say, you know, pride can uh, can cost you a lot of things, but from a pride standpoint, everyone's talking about Haskins. He's a top quarterback. If you're Kyler Murray, why wouldn't you want to come out and prove everybody wrong? Yeah, I think, uh, I, I believe you should throw. I think it's beneficial. I also understand why a camp or people would say, you know what, we're not gaining anything here because 
like I've said before, I think that's what, in a way, Austin makes this a bit overrated this week. It does. And listen, you I, know, I was I was all for for Kyler Murray not throwing until Haskins stepped up and said he's going to throw. Then that's my chance to compete. That's my chance to put up the film against the supposedly the top quarterback in the NFL draft. So if I'm Kyler Murray and Haskins is in it, why would I want to be in it too? Yeah, I, just my got to go compete. Just go compete. I think that's a reasonable question too, and I think that's where the interviews come into play, right? True. And that's where they will really ask that question. They'll dive uh, into those kind of questions when it comes to Kyler Murray. Of course, there's oh, it's a pro day uh, that awaits. We got some balling and falling. Bryce Harper, did he make the right decision? Coming up next on ESPN 690, live from Indy. Running backs, bench press right now in Indianapolis at the NFL Combine, right behind me on ESPN 690, Action Sports Jacks Radio on the road here again today. We'll be back in Jacksonville on Friday. Hopefully you're checking us out on ESPN 690 AM, ESPN690.com, nine different platforms. Get us uh, if you are looking for us. Also, some video elements on Twitter at Brent A.S. Jacks, on Facebook page at ESPN 690. Come follow us and also uh, check out our YouTube channel. Subscribe, subscribe on uh, Action Sports Jacks YouTube channel. Brent Martino here, Austin Lane there, balling and falling on the way. But I got something for you, Austin Lane. Okay, what do you got? I just want to let you know that I just learned that um, myself and DK Metcalf have the same body fat. <laughs> really? 1.6%. One point, that's what he's at right now? Seriously? 1.6% is what he measured in at. How about that? 6 foot 3 Get and 3 8. So almost 6. <laughs> Seriously? 28 pounds and 1.6% body fat. That's your guy. I he don't like, like looks that. at food no, and it's it, going to like increase. Yeah, like it was my guy, but that's like drastically low here. Like we're not it's it's not a bodybuilding competition, man. You still got to run the 40-yard dash. You still got to bench press. Relax. What's like normal? What's a normal one? Uh, for in like, the, like an NFL player? Yeah. Well, just for average. Like what, I mean, I would, like I what's like, coos? Soft coos. I'm 15%. That's generous, Coos. That's very generous. But okay, uh, so Coos is 15%. Well, well, I think I'm at like, I think I'm eight or nine, if I'm not mistaken. When I, when I got to Jacksonville, though, I was <laughs> I was at about a 17% because I had no idea about nutrition coming from Murray State. We didn't have nutritionists. I mean, I just basically ate fat, fast food. I would eat spam and rice every night because at the time I didn't know what sodium and fat was. I just saw the protein and the calories. So, uh, I wonder what my uh, body fat is. So I'd eat Spam and Rice. And Luke Richardson, who was the strength coach here uh, when I got to Jacksonville, um, he, he had some a few choice words for me because it, it was <laughs> bad, really bad. Well, it's it's interesting. you know. I think that happens to a lot of players that go in the end. First of all, you're at your peak, right? When Everybody feels good when they're 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. And on top of that, you guys are fantastic athletes. Jalen Ramsey, I remember his rookie year, he was tweeting out like he was eating Skittles and all this stuff. Yeah. And, and like, the uh, the nutritionist for the Jags was like, whoa, <laughs> you can't be doing that. Easy. So, and as you get older, of course, even as older, I mean 26, 27, maybe 29, 30, it really changes, especially for an athlete. Might not feel it as much as an everyday person um, at that age, but definitely for an athlete. So, anyway, DK Metcalf, your guy. Mm-hmm. Measures it in a big way. I would say he's balling, but let's go figure out what's balling and falling here on a Thursday. 
Ballin, got to go with Jason Witten. Uh, obviously, Ooh. he was scared because he heard me on ESPN 690 coming for his commentary <laughs> gig. Just kidding. I, I never do commentary for Monday Night Football. There's no way. But, uh, Why not? Uh, it's just not my style, man. Um, but uh, he's decided to lace the cleats up once more and is opting to go play for the Dallas Cowboys again. And honestly, with, with the Cowboys' talent coming back and whatnot and what they've shown with Mari Cooper now, who wouldn't blame him? Um, I remember when the Jacksonville Jaguars were doing good in 2017, I was sending out highlight films to Dave Caldwell because I wanted to play on that team because there's a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Listen, Witten's never gone to the Super Bowl. I think uh, he obviously has that in mind for playing for Dallas for at least another year. So it would be interesting to see how it plays out. I mean, that's to say if he's even still in shape. I assume he is. He's uh, He has that whole Advocare thing going on, so I'm sure he's got all the supplements that he needs. But uh, it'll be interesting to see if he legal ones, legal ones, of course. But it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, if it, I assume he makes the team, but just how well he's going to do. Yeah. Well, listen. Why don't we get, we'll get the all booth team? Take Tony Romo and Witten out of the booth. Bring them to Me Jacksonville. Oh, I thought no. no. Oh, we get the G- put them in a Jags uniform. I got you. Uh, I mean, who else would you take out of the booth right now, too? Like, who else is doing it that could probably still get after it? Hmm. Romo could play, you know, his back might I mean, might break in week three, but yeah. he can throw a football. Yeah. Uh, so you got, and then you got Witten. Uh, you know, James Lofton does games, but he's a little older now. I don't think he could play still. Uh, I don't think Mojo's got any juice left. He's not in a, well, he isn't a booth really. He's doing the Rams yeah. games. Yeah. Well, yeah, and he's doing the. interested to get the old booth team, you know? He, he was doing the, the AAF games too as well. I saw him uh, call a game there. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so, well, it's interesting. Uh, Jason, we'll see what happens. Uh, I, a lot of people speculate. A, a lot of people did not like Jason Witten on Monday Night Football. I, I didn't listen to enough to be that big of a critic, but I don't think the move had anything to do with. If you thought it was a poor performance, I think they were sticking with the ESPN crew no matter what for a couple of years. They ha- you have to get used to that, especially since a couple of those guys are college guys yeah. uh, by nature. And I, I think this has little to do with that. I, I just wondered if he enjoyed it maybe as much as he thought he was. Maybe he didn't like the criticism. Maybe he didn't feel like he was as good at it as he thought he might be. And now he gets a chance to go back and play football. Everybody misses the game. How hard was that first year being out of football for you? Uh, not too hard because I had MMA, obviously. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I guess. Didn't, didn't really miss his step. Yeah, the thing with Witten, you know, I think it kind of became the trend to really hate on what he was doing with the Monday Night Football thing. I don't think he was that bad, honestly. But, you know, we kind of live in the in the day of social media where if, if something picks up, everyone wants to hate on it and whatnot. So I think he got a lot more scrutiny than he actually deserved. I'm not sure if he really took that to heart or not. I think anybody um, would take some, some of that to heart at least. So... Maybe that had something to do with it as well, but listen, if you have the itch, man, and you can still play, uh, more power to you. I just feel like, though, once you walk away from the game, I mean, that should be it. But, hey, everyone's different. Yeah, well, listen, if you got the ability to go back and do it, why not? You know, I yep. mean, it, it's only one year. It's not. It's, is it really that different than missing a year because of injury? True. I mean, it might not be. As sure. long as he stayed in shape. I mean, there is a difference between staying in shape and going to the gym, working out of the hotel, or when you're on the road doing Monday Night Football, than there is, you know, actually going to football practice and that regimen and even the off-season conditioning and working with a trainer. But maybe he did. Maybe he did enough of it to stay in shape. He knows his body. Uh, athletes usually do know that. All right, my turn for balling, and you got to go to the Miami Heat. Against Iguodala. Five seconds left. 
Waiters, back to Dwayne. Shoots. No, he couldn't get it off. Now fires it up. Back it in. It counts. It counts. The Heat win the game. Dwayne Wade won it for Miami. 126 to 125. It just happened. <laughs> yeah, it just, just happened. happened. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good, man. That was pretty. Did you see the shot? Yeah, of course I did. Yeah, I mean, you know, people Didn't give call Dwayne Wade a hard though. time. Yeah, people give Dwayne Wade a hard time because he got blocked. And they're like, well, back in the day, he wouldn't have got blocked on that shot. And I don't know if I agree with that. I, I, I thought it was a tremendously athletic play to be able to get another shot off. Also shows his awareness. And uh, a moment, you know, when Kobe Bryant started to play really bad and you could tell he was getting old, he still delivered that one game, you know, which was awesome uh, at the end of it. Uh, what was it? I think 61 points, Coos? Is that right? Was yeah, 60 against the Utah Jazz. Um, nice so, yeah, so that that was awesome, right? That was really cool to see. Did we just see Dwayne Wade's moment as the close of his career? Kind of felt like it, didn't it, against the Warriors to beat the Ro- uh, Warriors uh, with a shot like that? Yeah, uh, and, uh, you know, that kind of pains me to say because obviously he was the guy that went to the University of Marquette, you know, in, in Wisconsin. He was... Uh, he was a hero there, you know, when they took him to the Final Four and whatnot. Dwayne Wade was the man. So, um, you know, that, that probably is kind of a swan song. That's probably his defining moment as his career comes to an end. But, I mean, we're talking about Dwayne Wade, one of the best ambassadors, I feel like, ever for the NBA. Um, didn't seem like a guy who was really keen on distractions, really talking a lot in the media, at least from what I gathered. And, uh, you know, one of, the, one, of the, one of the best guards of all time. Yeah, it's, uh, I'll tell you what. Coos, jump in, drive and dish podcast, tease it. Go listen to it. Check it out with Kuz. But we talked Dirk Nowitzki the other day, underrated. Yeah. Dwayne Wade might be right on that list, and I don't know where he ranks, but it, I think he gets overlooked a lot, doesn't he? I think he gets overlooked now, but I think back in the day when he was doing his thing, people knew. He was he, the man. Yeah, people knew about him. And I, I think you could probably say the same for Dirk back then as well, too. But, but how about as an all-timer, though, in, in like the in the the you know the pantheon of NBA players? Yeah. I... I do we bring up Dwayne Wade's name enough or high enough on the list? Well, it's always like, at least when, when we talk to you know anybody, reporters that we bring on the podcast, uh, they always like to try to tier things out, you know, like tier one, tier two, tier three. Yeah. And they always seem to put like Kobe and D. Wade in a tier right below LeBron and MJ and stuff like that. So I think, I guess it depends on how you see them and what tier you see them in and if you think that tier is the tier that's getting sl- slept on, you know? Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Uh, check out the Driving Dish podcast, by the way. That was balling. We'll have fallen on the other side of this break, so we'll take you there. Also want to remind you, go to ESPN690.com, win some Players' Championship tickets, passes for the entire week, Captain Club passes. You can win. Go ESPN690.com, click Contest, register to win, and then win. Simple as that as we get closer and closer to the 2019 Players' Championship back in March. We're back from Indianapolis with some Bryce Harper talk and also Fallen on Action Sports Shacks ESPN 690. Welcome back to Indianapolis, everybody. Brent Martineau here, Austin Lane there. Fallen and Fallen, time for the Fallen part of the show. And let's begin. Fallen. Back home in Jacksonville. Hey, don't, listen, I'm, I'm setting it up. Don't get so excited. Sorry, man. Who said that music player and I couldn't hear you, so I don't know what was going on. I kind of missed the cue. My bad. My bad. Hey, hey, is that another thing we get to blame Coos for? Oh, you bet. Brent, I've, I've been blaming this whole day on Coos so far, and it feels awesome. great. Yeah. I know. It feels a little disjointed. I don't, I don't know. I think it was just because 
you know, you you always want to start fast, right? Absolutely. And so it's like sometimes, like the power went out on us, but it, we didn't. It's not like we got held up. We still started, but it still felt internally like we weren't starting fast. Oh, it was a so, nightmare, especially because we didn't have any Wi-Fi here, so I didn't have the computer going. I couldn't see what I wrote down for my notes, so I was just kind of. Uh, you know, I was just kind of going by uh, my my mind and my memory, which isn't probably the as what it used to be. But oh, that could be a dangerous friend. thing. I know that it could be, be a really dangerous, dangerous thing. thing. I know, man. That's why it's good to have notes because I can take it in a lot of directions, <laughs> and I'm sure our sponsors wouldn't appreciate that. Go with the balling. Now it's your turn. All right. Speaking of taking another direction, balling. <laughs> I'm sorry, balling. Oh, I'm sorry, falling. <laughs> falling. Brandon Nemo of the New York Mets. This is a big day for baseball. Obviously, Bryce Harper. Well, not so much of a big day for Brandon Nemo as he has been sidelined for spring workouts. Uh, not because of an injury, though. Because he gave himself food poisoning by undercooking his chicken. Oh, boy. Listen, if this was the early 90s, I'd give you a pass, man. I understand the Internet's not around yet. But how do you mess up cooking chicken? Literally just go on YouTube. Go on Google. Google, how do you cook chicken? And you'll come across it. How red does it have to be? How, you know, I mean, I just don't understand how you can be a professional athlete, how you can be an adult and not cook chicken right. So, Fallen, Brandon Nemo. Ah, very good. Now, listen, I will say that is the one piece of food, like, I could care less what's, like, I, I don't, these guys were making fun of me yesterday because I had that tuna sandwich, like, mm. three <laughs> hours later, and they were like, you're going to pay for that, and it was fine. Like, I don't, I, I, that doesn't, I don't think about that stuff. I'll eat, I'm like a medium rare guy when it comes to steak, and if it's too rare, that's fine. Like I'm just not picky about it, and I don't usually care about how it's cooked or, or whatever. But I will say chicken is the one thing when I'm cooking it that because you hear of the salmonella and all this other stuff, if you don't cook it right, I feel like that's in my brain enough that I try to make sure... I'd rather lean on the cooked side than the uncooked side. You know what I mean? True. Uh, no, absolutely. Um, I'd rather have it be, you know, a little overcooked and uh, hard as a rock than as opposed to uh, bleeding. So, yeah. Well, and so that brings me to a little story I tell you. We move Here into we our neighborhood, mm-hmm. and the neighbors are there's like two other neighbor, three other neighbors on the street. Uh, our the house when we got there back in like 2008, the um, there were only three houses built, and so we were the fourth one, and. So very nice folks, still to this day, still our neighbors, uh, good people. And, you know, maybe it's in, I don't know, a year into it. And we said, hey, come on over. We'll we'll uh, we'll grill out, have a little dinner. And it happened that there, uh, my buddy Jay, his parents were in town, or his dad was in town. I think his parents were in town. And so I cooked chicken. Mm-hmm. Well, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking the whole time, like, all right, don't undercook the chicken. Don't undercook the chicken. <laughs> it is one of those deals, too. Like, I get, like, the charcoal grill. And so I didn't, I don't know if I had enough of the fire going to even begin with. So it's taken a little longer than it should. And I'm also very sub, I'm very conscious of not undercooking the chicken, not with other people eating it. And it had to be, like, the worst meal they've ever eaten. So sorry, Jason, <laughs> T- Jay, and Tiffany and uh, everybody else that ate it. But it was, like, because it was so dried out, like, yeah. it took forever. It was like, dude, you really messed this up, and you messed up chicken. So I guess I can feel for them a little bit. Well, did they – so there's the question, though. So when they ate it, did they say, like, it was still good? Like, were they at least Oh, fine of course. Or, oh, yeah. yeah they yeah, they yeah. didn't rip it. I'm surprised, actually, 10 years later that they haven't ripped it yet. For so. sure. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Prisco says I'm talking too loud, I think. 
<laughs> oh, tell Prisco relax. It's, it's all good. <laughs> he he can't concentrate. He needs focus. No, for sure. Um, I'm just trying to get on Jaguars.com. They're right in front of me, so make sure uh, my voice is heard on Jaguars.com. Uh, how about my fallen? Did you see the story on on Demarius Thomas? Uh, I saw the headline, but I didn't click on it. Arrested on allegations including vehicular assault stemming from a crash earlier this month. Uh, so Demarius Thomas, coming off injury, of course, uh, traded away to the uh, Texans and now has um, some uh, unlawful activity in, in Denver. This happened in Denver. Mm-hmm. The story says he was involved in a crash in the middle of February. Um February 16th, it says, Thomas was driving over 70 miles per hour, twice the speed limit, near downtown Denver. His SUV went off the road, flipped over uh, after hitting a median, and the SUV landed on its wheels. One of his two passengers suffered serious injuries. So uh, not vehicular homicide, but assault instead. So that's uh, that's an interesting story coming out of Denver. I would say that is fallen on uh, the Ballin' and Fallen segment for Demarius Thomas. I mean, this is a guy that really went from a wide receiver to all of a sudden it's like it ended fast, it looks like, for Demarius Thomas. Traded away from the Broncos, then injured, and now some uh, off-the-field stuff as well. Hey, I want to make sure we get to Bryce Harper. What's your take? What do you think? Did he land in the right spot? All this news about Harper for the last however long, and now he's got it looks like a 13-year, $330 million deal but does he end up in the right place in Philadelphia? Uh, I like that spot for him. Um, I still would like to see him finish in, playing for Washington, you know, kind of where he started out and everything like that. Um, but from his perspective, I mean, listen, he's making $330 million. You're the highest paid baseball player um, going right now. So from that perspective, yeah, it's the right decision because, like I always say, Brent, sometimes it's not about the money. It's what the money represents and what the money says and $330 million says that the, Phil- that the Phillies want Bryce Harper. Well, keep in mind, too, you know, when you get $330 million, well, you're getting it. You know, this isn't the NFL where, like, Malik Jackson signs a $90 million contract and he's got to go earn all of it. Not in baseball. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's going to get that cash. But 13 years is interesting. Now, Manny Machado goes 10 years, $300 million. And I thought, so if you break that out, right, that's $30 million a year. Well, the 13 years, 30, 330 million isn't th- uh, 30 million a year. True. This one beats out the John Carlos Stanton's 13 year, 325 million dollar contract that he got from the Marlins and now carries over uh, to the New York Yankees. So, uh, Scott Boris also says on this that they had 45 million dollars a year offered on shorter term deals. So I'm assuming that's the Dodgers and maybe the Giants. Mm-hmm. That he could have got paid per year $45 million bucks. This is going to be an interesting contract to see play out, though. Uh, it includes no trade clause, has no opt-outs, uh, apparently says ESPN. So uh, there it is. It's a done deal. I'll tell you what, the Philadelphia Phillies are, are legit in the NL East now. And that's really a blow to the Nationals. It is. Because not only do they lose Bryce Harper... But now they got to go play against them, what, 19 times a year mm-hmm. uh, in the NL East, and they have to deal with it for the next decade plus. 
and especially being in Philly too, you know, like Bryce Harper kind of seems like a Philly guy a little bit. He does. You know, he, he kind of plays with that well, little man. attitude a little bit. He's kind of got. I mean, he's still got that. He has that blue collar, but there's just a little swaggerness to him that you find in Philly sometimes. Uh, as Kuz is fist pumping his head, uh, swaggerless really, if you ask me about is looking Kuz at him. Is like a is Kuz a phony Philly fan? He might be. He's he, not a baseball he's, guy. He's a phony Philly fan with no, a Wisconsin no, 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 no. accent. Here's a, yeah, somehow I have a Wisconsin <laughs> accent every once in a while. No, man, here's the thing with the Phillies. I like baseball. I'm a baseball fan. I like the Phillies specifically, and they haven't been great, so I didn't devote any time to watching them, but now I can watch the Phillies again. <laughs> and especially, yeah. hey, let's remember, too, I mean, playing in that Citizens Bank Park, um, it is kind of hitter-friendly. Uh, it well, has everything since it opens. is now. Yeah, well, true, but... Um, that's a stadium too where I feel like you know Harper can really excel at. So, do you like Bryce? Uh, listen, I, I get it. You guys aren't like diehard baseball fans. I'm a big baseball guy, but do you like Bryce Harper? I mean, do you think he's good for the game? Will you will you turn on the TV to watch the Phillies a little bit and see how Bryce Harper does? Uh, be honest now, it's okay. No, absolutely. From from my standpoint, I'm a Bryce Harper fan because I I do think he's good for baseball. Whether like the older generations want to hate on him because he does kind of seem cocky, um, he has thrown a couple tantrums, or whether it's the younger generations that seem to be keen on him and you know that seem to find something that they see in themselves. So. From a baseball perspective and just being a fan of baseball like myself, yeah, I, th- I think he's great for the game. Because it's like you said, Brett, like Mike Trout is arguably probably the best baseball player in the game right now. But for whatever reason, he's just not a household name. For You know, if, if it's his personality, if it's where he plays, whatever. But he's just not a household name. And Bryce Harper is that household name. So I think he's great for baseball. I'd also so say the big thing that I, you know, like the past times that I've paid attention to Phillies you, for to see, you know, Holiday. Uh, Ryan Howard, uh, Pence when he was there. You know, there's like these bigger name players that made me. Chase Utley. Chase Mm Utley, exactly. So it's like these guys that are going to make me, uh, Jimmy Rollins, but it's like these guys that are going to make me actually want to tune in. And for a while it felt like the Phillies had a few guys that had that potential but never really at least gotten there. Um, And then this year, obviously, the, the Phillies getting a few names that are at least making me go, all right, I'll turn a game on. Yeah, I think I mean you know if you're a Phillies fan, you've got a plenty of jerseys that you've been able to go buy in the store, you know, yeah, yeah. that are and and if you want to wear them, I mean that that will that are okay to walk around and you're the cool guy in town. Um, how about this? Harper's now five to one favorite to win the NL MVP. Uh, Phillies tied for the six best odds to win the World Series at twelve to one. I don't know what the odds were before Harper. And my thought on that in a moment, but I also want to add uh, Harper. You know, they just traded for JT Real Muto, too, recently with the Marlins. So they've got one of the best catchers in the game. The Hoskins guy is a home run machine, it looks like, at first base. And you put him in that lineup now with Bryce Harper. So there's some protection there. They have Andrew McCutcheon, who's a big name and probably will be a good player for the Phillies, but he's not the player he was. So I think uh, don't get wrapped up in the name. I mean, McCutcheon was, for a stretch there, one of the best players in baseball. I don't think he is anymore. But uh, Bryce Harper going to Philadelphia, lands in a big market, big spot. I like the fact from that standpoint that he didn't go out west and – you know, we don't get to see him play because, like you said, Austin, that's what Mike Trout runs into. I mean, unless you stay up till 1 in the morning, you don't get to see all of Mike Trout's games. At least Harper will be on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. He'll be in a big market, and he can become now that face of baseball. But I've said this for a while. He's got to play better. He's had moments. He's had good years. He's he's really good player. I like him a lot. But he's got to play better than he has consistently. 
to be the face of baseball. And where does he go from here? These next few years are going to be critical to see, especially with all the pressure um, getting that money. I still maintain I don't think Manny Machado or Bryce Harper with these new deals will win a World Series. That's my bold prediction. Ooh. Five o'clock hour from Indianapolis, the NFL Combine. Back to football when we come back. Plus a stay in your lane and some story time from Austin Lane on ESPN 690. Welcome back to the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. Brett Martineau here, Austin Lane, back there along with Justin Kuzart. Kuz, plus some stay in your lane coming up. Uh, we also have some homework done by Austin Lane on Nick Foles. You bet. Where is that going to go? <laughs> God only knows, Brent. <laughs> Wonderlick test. What did you get again? I really wanted to do the over under on your Wonderlick test, but you you spilled the beans. Does uh, like does last Kuz week. know what I got? Kuz, know, if he was listening at all last week, he knows what you got. Oh uh, yeah, and but he, so then he probably doesn't know what I got. Then he was. I was going to say I don't I don't know off the top of my head. Although Brent said a number when we were chatting off off air. Okay, what do you think I got, Kuz? He he said twenty one. Yeah. Okay. There it is. Yeah, I got twenty one. Um, I think Tebow got a 24. So that, that was the big thing. That was the benchmark. Can you get better than Tebow? And uh, I didn't. I didn't, unfortunately. But uh, it, what, what are you? Are you? Uh, are you willing to reveal your SAT scores? I've never had the SAT score. All right. How about ACT? ACT? Yeah. I mean, I have no problem telling it. I well, got, what is? What is it? I I got a 20 both times. What's like? I I never took the ACT. So. Uh, it's decent. ACT's out of 36, right? Yeah, yeah. I got a 20. The The issue was, though, so the, I had to take it twice because my math sucked both times. I told you I'm not much of a math guy. But uh, I had one of my best friends, Andrew Moss. I'm sure he's listening right now. Shout out to Moss. Moss was sitting behind me, and Moss suffers from uh, severe ADHD, basically. The kid gets hyper sometimes and whatnot. And we got to the reading comprehension part. He's sitting right behind me. And literally, I just hear him go, I can't take this and started like kicking my chair and stuff when the test is going on. So I had that kind of distraction going on the whole time. So I wow. didn't do so well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, hey, that can happen. Um, some people test well, some people don't. But I was just looking to see if there was a correlation. Uh, it's out of what? 49 is a, the best score, I think, is on, on the Wonderlick. I think so. Or is, is it a it? Per- 50? Like 50 is the 50, perfect yeah. score, but I thought 49. Maybe somebody, there is somebody. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick got like a 49. He did. Fitzpatrick got a 49 because I'm reading that book and they mention it in there. And I think that was second best. I think there's somebody who's got a perfect score. But I guess my what I wanted to know about it, it this used to be a big deal, the Wonderlick test, right? And then everybody was like, this is really stupid. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Why are, we do, why are we judging people on this and blah, 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 blah. So I feel like people talk less about it, and now we talk more about hand size (laughs) and other measurements. uh, So I'd be careful with that, Brent, because actually teams, from what I know, um, especially when I played, they do put a lot of stake in the Wonderlick, and it's funny how different positions have to score higher. For instance, usually you want your quarterback to be in the mid-20s at least, uh, in the 30s is ideal. Also, you want your middle linebackers to score high as well because they're obviously, you know, they're calling out the defenses and whatnot. And also centers uh, have traditionally scored a lot higher than other offensive linemen, if you can believe that. Huh. So, so yeah, Well, yes, I, I would actually, I would believe that. Yeah. Well, he's usually the smartest guy on the line. True. Or at least he would say. Yeah, true, <laughs> true. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it, it's funny how, like, different positions kind of correlate to different scores and whatnot and what teams look for. Yeah, I just, I, I don't, did you study for it? Did you prepare for it, or did you just, like, I, I guess what was, you know, yeah. well, you told the stories all week about when you were doing 
whether it's the 40 or the bench press or the the, the height story that you told us. Mm-hmm. Like you had goals in mind, mm-hmm. and so you kind of go these two months between college or three months between college and the combine. You go through all these. Like you train to do the shuttle drill, you train yeah. to do the broad jump. Like mm-hmm. you actually go through those things. Yep. So, was was there any studying, or do you just kind of go into that wonderlick like, well, whatever happens, happens. Well, please remind me. So you mentioned the bench press. I do actually have a great bench press story after we're done here. But um, when it comes to the wonderlick, so the place that I was training at for the combine, they actually brought like a like a test specialist basically they, they brought him in for a day and they all sat with us and everything and, and i'm not gonna lie um a lot of the stuff that they went over was just like it was kind of just like i'm shaking my head like I, I know like all right breathe really think about the question how would you answer you know it's stuff like that <laughs> but I, i'm not lying i'm not gonna call anybody out uh I'm not, I'm not gonna put anybody in a bad light especially when it comes to test taking but there was a few uh a few players that I was training with that were struggling, like even like in the test portions and whatnot, like because you know we'd like a practice test, and there were some players that were just like sweating bullets, stressing out about it. I mean, when the wonder when like the wonderlick came up in the combine and it was time to take the test, that was like the the easiest part of my day because I knew I was going to be fine, you know. But there were some guys there um, who maybe got a little extra help from teachers at the university or whatnot who were nervous, who were struggling who uh, just didn't want to be there for that test-taking thing. I think a lot of people, if you want, now you can go see the questions on it. Was there a question you remember from it? No. No, it, I mean, honestly, it was like something you'd find like on an SAT or an ACT. So yeah, those there, kind of there was math, reading comprehension. Um, I can't remember if there's like any science, but it was just, you know, it, there were broad questions, and uh, they kind of covered various topics. I would think they would do more testing in terms of, from football, in terms of retention, you know? Mm-hmm. Like... Forget about math, uh, but, like, can you memorize, can you remember, can you, like, the playbook, that's what I'm getting at, you yeah. know, can you remember what a coach told you? Yeah. You're like, th- that would, to me, would go into coachability. Yeah. And and maybe they do some things to, that that help factor that or figure that out, uh, you know, during all these interviews and evaluations, but to well, me, that's where it would come in at least a little bit handy. And it's funny you mentioned that. So, actually, that was brought up, too, but that was more, like, in the medical portions um as far as like how good of a memory you have because i guess they kind of relate that to like you know concussions and whatnot so uh that actually got brought up a little more to the medical and hey if there's any combine athletes out there that are going through the jacksonville jaguars and uh you you guys want a little cheat test or a little you know a little tip sheet saddle apple carpet horse rattle those are the those are the five things you got to remember for the jacksonville jaguars because that's what they're going to quiz you on when they say can you remember these five things <laughs> you still remember. remember it yeah oh yeah give it give it to me again uh it's saddle carp uh saddle carpet apple rattle and i just forgot the fifth one already oh, no. <laughs> you just said it i know saddle, saddle carpet. carpet apple rattle may i said all of them Saddle, apple, carpet, carpet, rattle. Now you're missing one. I don't know, man. All right, come Whatever. up with it yeah, later. I'll, I'll think of it. Sorry. <laughs> I love it. All right, tell us your bench press story. So the bench press story, uh, yeah, but you can't really see right now. There's a lot of things happening behind the scenes here, so it's hard to focus on one thing. But, uh, oh, are they yeah. fixing stuff? Uh, yeah, a little bit. So, anyways, listen, man. Hey, listen, this is our test. This is a psychological evaluation. I guess it is. Of you on ESPN 690. Can you handle the pressure? Well, and I, I didn't even tell you this yet, too. So I'm actually wearing my 
combine shirt that I wore when I ran the 40 yard dash. So I'm wearing like the, like the Under Armour uh, spandex right now uh, in the studio, <laughs> and it is toasty, man. I'm sweating my butt off right now. So I that is that for just for well. like karma, or no, no, did just, you just pull that out of the? No, the, man. I, the I figured because well, I figured I had combine fever, you know. So I was I was gonna wear the, the combine gear, and I walk in, the camera's not working right away, and I'm sweating. I'm like, oh, that really paid off well, but now the camera's back on, so we're all good. All right. Uh, right. So give us your bench press story because then we got to get your, your evaluation after the break uh, yeah. with uh, Nick Foles. So the way the bench press works, obviously there's position groups. So I was with the defensive line. So I, I had Sue. I had Gerald McCoy. Uh, Gerald McCoy was funny because he always called me Avatar, and I always called him Arthur, you know, Arthur the Anteater. So we always went back and forth. He called me Avatar. I'd call him Arthur. Um, but there was this guy, and I don't even know who this guy was, Brent, to tell you the truth. I had no idea. Uh, I think he was from Stanford. Never got his name. But like, and, and you can kind of see it there, Brent. Where there, it's it's kind of like a giant group of guys in the back, and then they call one guy out, and he walks out, and everything, and then he does a bench press. Um, is the Arizona Cardinals strength coach still doing it? Can you can you confirm that, or can you deny it? Uh, I can't Hard do either. Okay, well, like I, I talked about before on the show this past week, uh, when I when I lifted the bench press, there was an Arizona Cardinals strength coach who was just out of his mind. And the only guy that was more out of his mind and more intense and more crazy was this kid from Stanford who was in front of us. So they let you have headphones or whatever if you wanted. But, I mean, most guys just kind of whatever. We had our water bottles and get ready to go do the bench press. This kid, I kid you not, he had he had the combine shirt that somehow he cut sleeveless. So, like, we get a choice of wearing sleeveless shirts or, like, you know, T-shirts. Well, he had a sleeveless shirt that was a T-shirt that he cut himself. So, number one, he, he cut his own sleeveless shirt. So, this kid was a little nuts to start out with. And then he had his headphones that in. That qualifies. He had his headphones in, and this kid is, like, blaring slipknot. He's, like, walking around flexing. He's, like, pushing chairs over. Like, this kid's trying to get in the zone. And we're like, holy cow, this kid's about to get, like, 50-something reps. He's about to break the, the combine record. So, you know, obviously, we're, we're seeing what he's doing. We're like, well, we have to watch this kid. So... All of a sudden, he goes up, and they announce his name, and I'm not lying. The kid's, like, screaming, yeah, let's do this, yeah, and we're like, okay, let's do this. Let's get hyped, and usually the way it worked was, like I said, there's a stage, so you can't see who, what, you know, what's going on in the bench press or whatever because you're behind the curtain. You're waiting to get your name called. Well, we all, I mean, the whole guys backstage, we all had to go see what this guy was going to put up because he's screaming, he's yelling. So he's walking up to the stage, we're peeking over the curtain. He walks up to the... Don't the tell stri- me he does like seven. No, Don't just wait. Tell. Just wait. So he walks up to the strength coach and he's flexing and the strength coach is like, I like this kid. So the strength coach is screaming. I mean, it's like the ultimate bro moment right now happening. And, I, and I'm hyped, man. I, I'm not going to lie. I'm hyped that this guy's about to do 50 reps. So, so he gets underneath it. And he does one more scream. Let's do it, okay? So he, 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 he all right. So I'm sorry, I can't keep a straight face because I'm just picturing it. So he he gets to 25 off the rack, and he puts it down. He's got pretty good pace. One, two, and he's still screaming, by the way, which is a bad idea because yeah, you're, you're, gonna you're lose using that. energy. But whatever. So two, three. All of a sudden, and we're watching this. All of a sudden, you just see his arm just give out, just. And you knew something tore. Oh, and, no. And instead, so now the kid's screaming. He's still screaming. But, like, instead of, like, just, you know, the coach taking it, he tried to muscle it out. So he's going, one, two, Gah! and then like, he lets out a big scream, like, because he's in pain. And he still tries to keep bench pressing with, like, a one and a half arms, and it just wasn't working, man. It was uh, it was a crazy sight to see. Neil to say, I think he put up five, and that was it. <laughs> it uh, blew out something, right? Yeah, like that a was a whole lot of hype for nothing, for sure. So. 
Uh, that's funny. You couldn't even make it through it. No. That's the one deal, man. If you're going to bring your all the attention to yourself like that, you better back and making it up. all the noise, you got to deliver. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, it was horse. Oh, that's right, horse. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yes, Takes the Ryan Dean. Carpet, horse, hey, rattle. There it is. By, I got by it the way. Somebody get Ryan Dean a T-shirt, okay? Or get him one of those pens or bottle openers you have, Coos, and you still haven't given one of us. Because Who's that? Ryan Dean is the one that tweeted in, Saddle, Apple, Carpet, Horse, horse Rattle. rattle. Oh, which okay. means he was listening to you. Oh, shout out to Ryan Dean, man. There you go. I mean, that's a good listener right there. Absolutely. T-shirt, <laughs> whenever we get him. <laughs> I, who knows? Coos probably has a bunch, just hasn't shared with us. There you go. That Ryan Dean, congratulations, man. You've passed the combine test for CTE. <laughs> Nick Foles breakdown next. Why am I having such a hard time getting into the Florida Gators basketball team? They are just not fun to watch, <laughs> I think. You know, they're winning right now, but they're basically playing. I, they're beating Vandy and Georgia and Missouri. they got a great win over LSU. Don't get me wrong. They're playing better basketball, but they just... I think it's the brand of basketball they're playing. I don't know. It's just not that fun. Uh, they, a good win at Vandy yesterday. I mean, they can lose to anybody, so you got to give them credit. I'm a huge Mike White fan. Uh, I'm just having a hard time getting in, in at least excited about the Gators basketball team, and, and probably because most Gator fans know this, too. They're, they're not going deep in the tournament. You know, they're getting on a nice little run at the right time. Making the tournament is almost an accomplishment for the Gator basketball team. But uh, I'm just having a hard time getting super excited about them. Uh, they will have Georgia up next, and then LSU and Kentucky, and then it's the SEC tournament. They've got 17 wins. It sure looks like the Florida Gators will make the NCAA tournament. Welcome back to the NFL Combine in Indianapolis, everybody. Brent Martineau here along with Austin Lane back in Jacksonville. And once again, Austin mm-hmm. doing some homework. Like, is, Are you spending some Late hours doing homework or early morning after a workout? I mean, what? No, man. Actually, in? I didn't do a lot of. Oh, I shouldn't say I didn't do a lot of homework. That doesn't sound. Don't ever admit that. Yeah, exactly. Um, Kids yeah. do the homework. So, so I, I did do a little homework today, but also Alex Jones was on the Joe Rogan podcast. So I couldn't pat, pass that up for a listen. <laughs> uh, but yeah, basically, listen. We're talking about Nick Foles. Um, we always talk about with, with the Jaguars, like you know, what is it going to take to bring him here? And we, we talk about from the Jaguars' perspective, or we talk about from the Dolphins' perspective. But By the way, I, that would have been a good time to promote our podcast to Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Go oh, on. Go ahead. No, I just did. Go okay, on. there you go. So, uh, so what I actually did was I kind of switched it around a little bit, and I took a look from the situation from a different perspective, from Nick Foles' perspective. Okay, so basically what I did was, and listen, there might be some crazy trades happening eventually where Foles might go to a team that we never saw coming. But, Brent, I think you can agree with me here where it's pretty much down to the Dolphins, the Redskins, and the Jaguars. Would you agree? I I will agree with you on the obvious teams. I think there's a mystery team that's going to get involved with Nick Foles, and we haven't figured it out yet. Which, I mean, that's usually how free agency works, right? There's always that mystery team that kind of comes out of nowhere, and you're like, ah, okay, that kind of makes sense. But for the sake of this breakdown right now, I'm just going to go with the Dolphins, the Redskins, and the Jaguars. Fair enough. And and I'm going to look at this through Nick Foles' eyes. Okay, so let's take a look at the Dolphins first, if you're Nick Foles. If you take a look at the Dolphins, you have a new head coach in Jim Flores. Flores came from the New England Patriots as a linebacker's coach, okay? So he's a defensive-minded coach. you got to remember, nowadays... 
it seems like the trend for, for head coaches, especially the newer ones, is that offensive-minded coach. Why? Because they can get along well with the quarterbacks, and sometimes they call the plays as well. So when we're talking Jim Flores as a linebackers coach from New England, and you call him a linebackers coach, but let's be honest, he was a defensive coordinator. He didn't have that title, but he was the guy calling the plays for the uh, for the Patriots this past season. So I consider him a defensive coordinator. So you have a, a former defensive coordinator now at Miami as a head coach, his first time being a head coach. Who does he bring in for an offensive coordinator? Well, if I'm Nick Foles, I'm looking at this, and I see they bring in Chad O'Shea. Chad O'Shea was the wide receivers coach from the New England Patriots. It's his first offensive coordinator gig. So if I'm Nick Foles and I'm seeing the coaching staff right now, I'm a little nervous. You have a first-time offensive coordinator. You have a first-year NFL coach who's defensive-minded. Those things aren't gelling with me right now. But now let's go and break down the roster quick. So the Dolphins, they have Kenyon Drake, and they have a highly inconsistent – well. Kenyon Drake's been highly inconsistent pretty much the whole time he's been in Miami, right? And one can argue, well, that's because of Adam Gase and that coaching staff wasn't a fan of him. What, whatever it is, I don't have a lot of faith in Kenyon Drake. He's he's shown some brilliance, but he's also not played so well. And all the, and all, the other guy they have is Kenny Bollage, and that's it. And he's inexperienced. Frank Gore, 35 years old, turning back the hands of time as a free agent. Not sure if the Dolphins bring him back yet or not. So I don't see Frank Gore coming back there. So all they have is Kenyon Drake and Kenny Ballage at the running backs. Let's take a look at their tight ends. Nick, Nick O'Leary, uh, who Florida State fans should remember, and Mike Gusecki, uh, who had a first yeah. year last year, had 22 receptions, zero touchdowns. Nothing to really shake a stick at. So if I'm looking at the tight ends, if I'm Nick Foles, and I see the Dolphins' tight ends, I'm not excited. And then let's go to the wide receivers quick for the Dolphins. Kenny Stills. Who's decent? You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna deny. I mean, he's probably out of the three teams, he probably has the most talent. I'm about to discuss right now. So they have Kenny Stills, Parker's. That's gonna not be, saying much. It's not saying much at all. You have Parker, who's gonna be gone more than likely, and Albert Wilson, and that's it. And they, listen, Albert Wilson played in seven games last season, acquired 26 receptions for four touchdowns, not bad, but not a lot of confidence in the receiving game. And then, of course, you have Danny. Amendola as well, but more than likely he's going to be released. And Jakeem Grant, who was another uh, pretty good player for them, tore his Achilles this past season, so he's coming off of surgery. Their their offensive line, if you're uh, Nick Foles, offensive line is important too. They were ranked second to last, and I know, Brent, you don't like pro football focus, but profootballfocus.com had the Miami Dolphins offensive line ranked second to last through the entire NFL season. Don't spread rumors now. I didn't. I don't like him. I just said you got to, you got to, you can't go. It's not yeah. gospel. Yeah, but I mean, I think, uh, I mean, I think anybody can can agree, including Dolphin fans, where their offensive line not that good right now. Okay, and then let's look at the one final thing: the defense. Last year, ESPN ranked them 29th in total team defense. So, like I always say, the offense and defense works together, right? Well, if I'm looking at that defense right now, I'm not looking too too confident if I'm Nick Foles. So, from all those things I just named. Miami doesn't seem like a viable option for Nick Foles with the coaching staff, with the offensive line, with a defense that can't have your back, with a questionable receiving core, with really no tight ends, and a running back game that's questionable. I'm pretty nervous right now if I'm Nick Foles trying to go to Miami, okay? So now let's I hear you. So now let's go and break down Washington quick. Uh, Washington's a team, obviously, with Alex Smith having his injury. We're not sure where they stand on yet, but they just come forward, too, and said that Kirk, Colt McCoy might be their guy. Okay, so take that for what you want, maybe with a grain of salt, maybe take it a little more. But they they have said that Colt McCoy is their guy. You have an offensive-minded head coach in Jay Gruden, which is great. If I'm Foles, I like that a lot. Uh, 
he's a guy that's worked with the RG3, obviously, Kirk Cousins. So he's, he's worked with some pretty good play callers before, and he, he calls his own plays. Who else called their own plays back then, or for the Eagles? Doug Peterson. So these are two coaches that call their own plays. I feel like Nick Foles likes that. He's kind of accustomed to that. So when it comes to, to the coaching, I got to like that. But now we, we, we look at like the, the receivers and whatnot. Listen, the Redskins' best receiver, Jamison Crowder, is probably – he might come back. He might not. He's a free agent. Uh, he said he wants to come back to Washington, but once again, what does that really mean? They have Josh Dotson, who caught 44 receptions last year for 532 yards and only two touchdowns. And besides that, really nobody. So if I'm Nick Foles, I'm looking at the receivers for Washington, not too keen on them. The running game is another question. They have obviously Adrian Peterson, but how many years does he have left? They have Darius Geis, who was a rookie last year, who showed some promise, but once again, we don't know what he's capable of. And then they have Chris Thompson, who was uh, who's basically like their third down back and was third on their team last year in receptions. Not a bad target to have if you're a quarterback, a receiver that you can throw it to in the backfield. But still, if you're looking at the running game, nothing too promising. Tight ends are kind of a nightmare. You have Jordan Reed, who had a great start to this past season, but has been injury-plagued, as you know. Only started eight games this past season. Only started in five games in 2017 and only started eight games in 2016. The guy cannot stay healthy. And Vernon Davis, who's on the back nine of his career, uh, you don't know how many years you got left of him either. Their uh, their offensive line was ranked 19th in the NFL by ProFootballFocus.com, and their team defense was ranked 17th. So there you go. So if you're Nick Foles, once again, don't have the weapons. Defense, can you really rely on them being ranked 17th in, 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 in team defense, according to ESPN? I might be a little nervous. I do like the coaching there with, with Gruden calling his own plays. If I'm Nick Foles, I'm accustomed to that coming from Philly, but still it makes you wonder. So then let's go ahead and go to Jacksonville quick. Head coach Doug Marone. Uh, you know, obviously he's, he's been a head coach before. I don't want to say he's an offensive-minded coach, but you have to give him that title because he got his, he's got his job to the coaching ranks, coaching offensive line and tight ends. Yeah, he's an offensive so, guy. Yeah, so he's an offensive guy. I, I feel like just his attitude, though, Brent, like, kind of like the way he presents himself might be a little more defensive-minded. But he is yeah, an offensive mind. It does. But he is an offensive-minded coach. So if I'm Nick Foles, I like that a lot. What else do I like? Obviously the offensive coordinator, John D. Filippo. It's a guy I'm used to. It's a guy that I played with in Philly. It's a guy that helped me get to the Super Bowl. It's a guy that helped me win a Super Bowl. Okay, so I'm very accustomed to John D. Filippo. I know what I'm getting with him. If you look at the running backs, you got Leonard Fournette right now, had a, had a pretty good rookie season this past season, had a lot of setbacks, had an injury that cost him, um, kind of had some off-the-field issues and whatnot. Brent, you know how I feel about Leonard Fournette. I feel like he's going to be the future, and if I'm Nick Foles, I see the talent, and I like what I'm seeing from Leonard Fournette's perspective. They also have Thomas Roll, who's, Rolls, who's another back you can depend on for that power running game, what, which, which I picture Jacksonville trying to do. And as far as an offensive philosophy in general, you're going to come into a situation if I'm Nick Foles where I don't have to rely on my arm the whole game. I can hand the ball off. We can set up the play action. That's what Jacksonville's going to do. So I'm not going to be required to step in here and lead the team, throw the ball 40, 50 times a game. So I'm liking that. Let's go to wide receivers quick. D.D. Westbrook has the potential to be a great receiver. He's shown flashes of brilliance, um, has also made a couple mistakes, but I feel like if the, uh, this up-and-coming year, if he does well, um, obviously the whole receiving core is going to do well. Marquise Lee is another guy who you can put in the slot. You can run a lot of gadgets with him. He's got that slot capability. It's just a matter of fact if he can stay healthy. And then you have DJ Shark, the second-round pick last year. Um, 
was kind of played with drops, penalties, and fumbles. Actually, made probably more of a name for himself on special teams. But this is He's a guy a good special teams player. Yeah, but this is a guy too where, like I always say, you make your biggest improvements coming from your first year to your second year. This is a guy who can maybe have some potential. And when it comes down to tight ends, obviously uh, there's no one really to mention. If I, if, so if I'm Nick Foles, I'm nervous about the tight ends. I'm a little nervous about the receivers. Uh, the O-line ranked 22nd according to pro, profootballfocus.com. Keep in mind they had a lot of injuries. Um, there's a lot of guys getting back healthy that will be back. Cam Robinson, we'll see with Parnell. And then the, obviously the defense, the Jaguars were ranked number five uh, by ESPN and team defense. And if I'm Nick Foles, I like that a lot. So let's break it down quick. Coaching, if I'm Nick Foles, I like the Jaguars or I like the Redskins. Probably the Jaguars a little more because of John D. Filippo. Receiving, it's a push. No one's really standing out. Tight ends, honestly, not really standing out to me either. I guess you would go Redskins because you have two proven guys in Jordan Reed and Vernon Davis. But what is that really saying? O-line, listen, I give the edge to the Redskins just because they have Trent Williams right now. Um, so I give the advantage to the O-line to, to the Redskins, but defense, the Jaguars. So if you look at it, defense and coaching definitely goes to the Jaguars. So if I'm Nick Foles and I'm taking all those things into account, I'm going to the Jaguars. Ah, simple as that. So that's Sim- where you land with this book report. That's Take where that I book report and keep it. Mm-hmm. Because what I want to do is after free agency – Let's see where that lands, mm-hmm. because what have the Jags done in tight ends? What did Washington do? Keep in mind, Jags have very little money compared to the Redskins have about $18 million right now, and the Dolphins have $11 million. So they're both not in great shape in terms of cap to go spend a ton. They'll make more room, of course, but it's not like they're the Jets or Colts with $100 million to spend and go get Nick Foles' weapons. But um, interesting book report. I'm interesting that from a Nick Foles standpoint, you take the Jags. And, of course, I think that's why people are putting the marriage together. Makes sense for the Jags. Makes sense for Nick Foles. Can't discount either. We just see if it happens. And I think dollars at the end of the day uh, could come down to determine that. With all that said about Nick Foles, where does Blake Bortles land in 2019? Did a poll question. I'll share the results. And... We'll have our thoughts. It's time to guess. Get it ready, guys. Next on ESPN 690, live from the Combine in Indianapolis. You know, like the old guy that like is in a quieter place and talks really loud? Kind of. Is that you right now? Here, well, well, I think at times that's that's been me in these last couple of days. <laughs> well, because there's a couple of things at work. Like, we're on Radio Row, but in the afternoon... It feels like it really thins out, so there's less voices. Mm-hmm. Yet, and on the other side of this, our headphones that I have on are really good, so like everything's pretty quiet. So I can't tell if I'm talking like at the top of my lungs or not. But uh, a couple of times, people look at me funny, so I probably am talking more than I should or louder than I should. Got the decibel level high. Well, I'll tell you what, well, Brennan. People start looking at you funny, man. You just tell me, and I'll, I'll take the first flight there right now. We'll take care ah, of business. You know what I'm saying? Appreciate it. Tag yeah. team match. Absolutely, That's, man. I always got your back. You, you know what's do up. it. I appreciate that. Good team guy right there. Hey, uh, you know who's been a good team guy? Blake Bortles. We're going to talk Coos? about that. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, Coos is all right. <laughs> no, uh, I said talk about not Coos. Sorry. <laughs> oh, not Coos. <laughs> yeah. uh, we'll talk about where he ends up in just a moment. I do want to remind you, go to ESPN690.com, check out the contest page, register to win Players Championship tickets. You can do that. Weekly passes to the Captain's Club at ESPN690.com. Make sure you go do that. Register, check it out. Players Championship coming up soon. Uh, going to be a lot of fun at Ponte Vedra Beach in just a couple of weeks. 
All right, Blake Bortles. Poll question was this. Where does he end up? We have to assume he's out of Jacksonville, right? I think everybody agrees that. But I put on the poll question, Washington, Tampa, Miami. I think there are a lot of other uh, destinations, potentially, uh, for Blake Bortles. But I put those three spots, and then I put a fourth option, which is other. Um, what do you – let's guess, okay? Let's let's take let's, – we'll come back to this. I'm going to write them down, and it – by the end of this segment, we got to come up with a place where Blake Bortles ends up. And uh, uh, winner, uh, I don't know what the winner gets. We'll have to figure that part out. Winner gets a, a new tattoo. <laughs> winner gets a new tattoo? So, so who, who are you going to pick, Brent? Are you going to say he's staying in Jacksonville then? Try to get out of it? <laughs> yeah, good point. Yeah. Uh, now, I, I don't know what I'm going to pick yet. I'm still talking my way through it because there's a part of me that I think what's best for Blake Bortles is to go to like be the backup in in L.A. with the Chargers and mm-hmm. go to Philip Rivers and learn for a couple of years and just take in stuff that you got to remember. This is a guy that's been in all these different offenses with all these different coordinators, and he's never had anything really streamlined or consistent. Now, closest he got to it was Nathaniel Hackett, but that was even short lived. And again, I'm not making an excuse for him. I'm just saying, what does he retain? What does he know? Or do you have just all these bullets flying at you that you really don't have a good thought process of what it's going to take to be successful in the NFL if he gets another chance? Well, I think you go to a guy like Philip Rivers who's done it for so long, he could help that. You could watch that. You could copy some of the stuff. Now, I do get it's a different style offense, different style player. From that standpoint, I actually thought like a place like Philly would be pretty good. Uh, because some of those RPOs I think Blake would be good at. But um, he could end up in a lot of spots, I think, fit-wise. But what we're talking about is realistically. Mm-hmm. Where does he end up? And I do think some of the examples I gave of a Tampa, uh, which I've heard people rumble, uh, the Washington Redskins guys are right behind me. I mean, they're going to be looking for a low-budget veteran quarterback. Blake will fit that bill. Jags are going to eat some of the money, and he's going to get money regardless of where he goes. Uh, and then I think Miami would be interesting to see what they do at the quarterback position. You have to keep in mind, as maligned as Blake Bortles is across the NFL at times, and in Jacksonville, this is a guy that comes with now four and a half, five years worth of experience of starting football games. That's a pretty nice resume when it comes to a backup quarterback. Sure, a lot of turnovers. Also, I always say a lot of touchdowns and a trip to the AFC Championship game. So, I'm fascinated to see where Bortles ends up at the end of this. It's funny because of all those teams you mentioned, you didn't even come close to sniffing the team that I'm thinking for Blake Bortles right now. Uh, Let me guess. Uh, If I didn't come close, how about Denver? Nope. Brent, okay, let me ask you this question. Maybe you can answer the own question here. When Blake Bortles is coming out of college, who is his NFL comparison? Uh, Roethlisberger. Correct. I think he ends up in Pittsburgh. Right now, the Pittsburgh Steelers got Joshua Dobbs as their backup quarterback, you know, the player from Tennessee. I don't see him being the long-term fixture. Um, I think he's a guy you can maybe throw in and maybe have decent success if Big Ben gets hurt. But that's kind of a big what-if. And with Blake Bortles being the same comparison, the size comparison as Big Ben, I feel like that's a match made in heaven for Pittsburgh, and here's why. He's got the experience, obviously, so I'm taking that over Dobbs. He's also a guy where we don't really know what he's capable of the backup role yet, but listen, Big Ben's been known to get hurt a couple times. You know, Big Ben t- takes risks and whatnot, so I think they would have more confidence in Bortles. 
He is getting old. I mean, they'd, they'd have more confidence right now in Bortles than they would in Joshua Dobbs. And also, if you bring in Bortles, who's to say that he can't? And I know this is crazy to say, but who's to say when uh, when Ben Roethlisberger leaves, Blake Bortles can't be the starting quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers? I can't say that with a straight face, but you never know. And then another thing is, too, listen, Pittsburgh's got other problems to fry right now. They need another wide receiver. They they need to replace Jazier at middle linebacker. They might have a solid running game, but I think they would like a backup, too, to James Conner um, just to try to give him a little a space because he did get hurt last year a little bit from, you know, toting the rock 30 times a game. So they have some needs right now. And with the Steelers, they would love to build through the draft. So if they can build those through the draft and bring in a, an experienced NFL quarterback for a backup for Big, Big Ben right now and he can learn off Big Ben, I think Blake Bortles might be a Pittsburgh Steeler. How crazy that would be. Well, listen, Eric Locke is saying interesting to assume he'll have a job. Listen, I think he'll be a top-flight backup quarterback. (laughs) I genuinely think that. Um, Again, he's got a ton of experience. That's something that a lot of backup QBs don't have. Matthew says, on a beach. That's not going to happen either. (laughs) This guy's going to get a job. Mm -hmm. Um, And... I think Chris is bringing up a good example with your Steelers talk. What happens with uh, Mason Rudolph, who they also have, and they just invested a third-round pick um, up there in Pittsburgh because they've got three quarterbacks now. Oh, okay. I mean, I, 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 just, I just know Dobbs from last year was playing, but okay. Yeah, they have Rudolph too. Yeah, so Rudolph, Rudolph clouds that a bit because yeah. they're bringing along a young quarterback. Now they could give up on but not, probably not this quick. Um, it, here, here's... Where's uh, Kuz think he goes? Kuz, Take a guess, got? Kuz. you got 32 teams. Oh, man. I mean, I, I feel like the the one I've been hearing a lot because my girlfriend's family is Dolphins fans is, is Miami. Yeah, I've, I've heard Tampa a lot, and I think Miami, I, I think people are just kind of, it's all speculation. Yeah. I don't think these are legit rumors, but I think people are, are thinking that could be the case. Um, I don't think they go, he goes to Tampa. I don't think he goes to Miami. I think uh, the Redskins do make a lot of sense. They make a ton of sense. Here's how the poll question changed. 28% Washington, 19% Tampa, 23% Miami, and 30% other. Of course, you had a bunch of teams uh, to pick from as well. I still think the best fit for Blake Bortles would be going out to a, a veteran quarterback who's good and can teach him the ropes a little bit for a couple of years. And don't laugh at me. Green Bay. But but someday, and Green Bay's an interesting spot, but don't they have, they got Kaiser. Well, mm, that's not a bad, that's, so, well, no, that's Green not bad. Bay. <laughs> hey, don't laugh at me, but I'm telling you this, within five years, Blake Bortles will be a Nick Foles-like guy in this, in, in, in terms of this. He will come off the bench for somebody and lead a team on a streak. I I'm not I saying the Super for the Bowl, hot takes. But he will lead a team to a stretch of six games, eight games, lead him into the playoffs, go on a little run. He will do that. He will be that guy in the NFL someday, in my opinion. I'm not saying he's winning the Super Bowl. I'm not saying he's going to turn it into a $50 million contract. But he will have that moment still in him in the NFL. I truly believe it. I'm going to say he ends up in Washington. We'll be back with Stay in Your Lane and to put a bow on the show from Indianapolis next on ESPN 690. ESPN690.com, the place to go to win players' championship tickets. Go check it out. Contest page, register to win and win. Simple as that, ESPN690.com. You get to the players' championship, a week-long pass in the captain's club. Uh, Go check it out on ESPN690.com. 
com. As we come back, I have to make Austin Lane change his selection. With Mason Rudolph there, I don't like your pick. Give me a backup. Well, I, I don't like you saying that uh, Blake Bortles is going to be the next Nick Foles. Can, can you see the whiteboard <laughs> right now? I can't. I can't see. Uh... I can't see it. What does it say? Uh, it'll just be a nice little surprise for you then. Uh, my second pick then. Um, you know you know me, man. I like to think outside the box. I like to go with the unexpected. So I'm going to say the Green Bay Packers. All right. I like it. Yeah. Uh, so Green Bay pa- that, that's reasonable. I think that's pretty good. I mean, listen, I'm not, who's I'm not offensive saying coordinator Pittsburgh, there? I'm not saying Pittsburgh's unreasonable, but it's unlikely given the Mason Rudolph stuff. They've kept three quarterbacks in the past. They've been... But I, I just think they're not going to pay someone eight million dollars over the next couple of years. They're not, lo- you know, they've got a veteran guy. They're looking to groom a young guy. You got to find the situation where, like a team like like Green Bay is not that bad because I don't think they're really grooming a young guy yet. Aaron Rodgers has too much football left, so then you could get a reliable backup type of situation if you felt comfortable uh, mm-hmm. with Blake Bortles. So, all right, at the end of the day, you say Green Bay, I say Washington. And Koo says Miami. Well, hold on. I was just about to ask, with your guys' logic you're talking about, would would the Giants be off the table then? Well, because uh, yes, because I think let's just assume that they're going to stay with Eli Manning, and then I think they're going to draft a young quarterback. So Bortles wouldn't fit into their plans because they they want the next guy. Like Manning's close enough to the end of his career, obviously. Like Rodgers is not. Um, and I actually think Rivers is getting closer. But I don't think the Chargers, in the mode they're in right now, are going to spend on a, a high draft pick on a young quarterback to start planning for the future. Not this year. Maybe that will come into play next year. And so that's why I think like even Blake out there makes some sense um, to me. So I think there's a lot of teams that make sense for Blake, unlike a lot of other people. Uh, really, because, again, the Jags are going to eat some of this contract. He's going to already have money in his pocket which means a team doesn't have to spend a ton of money on him as a backup QB. But uh, Ocho Fisher says, in a bar or on the beach. It ain't happening. Uh, Patrick <laughs> says, Eagles or Redskins. I do think the Eagles are intriguing, but it sounds like they want to give Sudfield, I think it is, a chance to, to win he, that he backup hasn't, job. He hasn't did that bad either that he's been called in. You know, yeah, I mean, so he's, I, he's performed pretty well. And, and the, you know, now they've been together and they've had him for a couple years, so it makes sense that they keep him in that system. And hopefully they get another Nick Foles, you know, treasure in that regard. So I, that's why I think I think the fit in Philly is good. I just don't think the likelihood uh, is good. So uh, interesting stuff, but I think we'll find out in the next. Uh, I, the other part of this, guys, is I'm not really sure. Like, Bortles gets cut on March 9th. I don't think he gets signed necessarily on March 14th. I think this one that will play out a bit, and uh, people will investigate it. Bring him in. He'll have some workouts or have some talks, and he'll be shopped around. I don't think it will be an overnight, oh, there you go, he just signed with somebody else. But mm-hmm. uh, you never know. Uh, maybe somebody uh, has their eye on him. And, and, and know this, as much as some people don't, and there are people that are compl- – I, I talked to a former uh, Jaguars coach today. I'm not going to name names, and it's not Nathaniel Hackett. So it goes way back a little bit. But I talked to a former coach, and you could almost tell from the conversation that – like he was not a Bortles guy, <laughs> you know? like not like so. There are those people I think that exist around the league that will just say, "Not nah, don't touch him," mm-hmm. um, much like a lot of fans would say, "Don't touch him." But I'm telling you, I think there are more people around the league that would say, 
I'll take that five years worth of experience and a reasonable, if not cheap, contract, and I'll ride with that guy as my backup. I can I can do that. So uh, I think that's what happens. All right, time for stay in your lane. Uh, what you got over there, Austin Lane? So it kind of transitioned a little bit from the Bryce Harper news today, but originally stay in your lane cruise control was Smash Mouth. Uh, you have to take you for the Smash Mouth. Hey, now you're an all star. You know, yes, you know, so I yeah. have. Yeah, so hey, smash. So, yeah. All star. Yeah, yeah. Get your game on. Keep, keep going. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. no, you got to keep going. You got it? No, nah, I'm good. <laughs> so Smash Mouth went on Twitter this morning, and, uh, and and I quote, We are hearing from Giants ownership, upper management might not be on the same page as uh, as Bryce Harper is. They want to offer a long-term contract like they did with Bonds and Z- Z- Zadi. Uh, does not want to. Saban Beer, step the F up. This is your team, not some slappies from the Dodgers. So uh, I was going to give uh, Bryce Harper some props because he, he's got the band Smash Mouth speaking on his behalf. But unfortunately, much to Smash Mouth's demise, uh, Bryce Harper has gone to the Washington Nationals. I should probably go on Twitter and see if Smash Mouth said anything back. But uh, something to keep an eye on is the well, whole Smash the Mouth response. Hey, don't break news for the national fans out there. He's going to the Phillies. Oh, I'm sorry, dude. Sorry. From the, the Phillies. From the Nationals <laughs> to the Phillies. My, my apologies. Sorry, I'm in smash mouth mode right now. I think Stat Boy just got excited. He came back. <laughs> <laughs> Nats fan. And then uh, Pump the Brakes goes out to the, a, a couple people. First of all, give me the old Miss fans for throwing trash on the court last night as the Tennessee Volunteers just squeaked by in a win, a real nail-biter 73-71 to against the Ole Miss running Rebels. The fans uh, didn't like a questionable call, and in result, after the Ole Miss Rebels got beat, fans starting throwing trash on the court. Not a good look. I understand if you're upset and you, you don't like the calls that were given, but um, why would you trash your own venue? I have no idea. And then also, a, a little uh, tap of the brakes goes to Mike McCarthy, former Green Bay Packer head coach was uh, asked to leave a high school basketball game after he was complaining uh, to the refs uh, about his kids who were playing in the game. Apparently, the officials said that McCarthy was swearing and was not complying um, as a fan should and was asked to leave, and now he's had a formal complaint filed against him as well. So not a good look for Mike McCarthy. As if it's hard enough to be your kids in Wisconsin, I'm sure you got a lot of crap for being you know, the, the coach that – quote-unquote, ruined the Green Bay Packers, but now your dad's embarrassing you at the games as well. Can't be an easy life for those kids. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's real tough. Yep. Hey, you got to yell at the umpires sometimes. got to yell at the refs. <sighs> I can't do it, Yeah, Brent. you'll see. I can't you'll do see. it. I, I guess you'll we will see. see. We'll see. Go ahead. Sit on that high horse right now. <laughs> I am. I'm, I have my saddle right here, and I'm looking down at everybody and, else. And you will see. And everybody out there is 25, 30 years old and doesn't have 12-year-olds or 14-year-olds or 16-year-olds playing sports. They'll say, I can't believe people yell and get so excited and blah, blah, blah. And I will say, talk to me in like five or eight or ten years when your kid's playing sports. Here's what I'm more nervous about. And I don't think I'm crazy guy, by the way. I don't think. Now, maybe some would assume. Um, I try to keep it a very positive, and there's, there's times you get caught up in the moment, but, but there are some that really get carried away, like I do agree, but uh, I'm just saying it's harder than people think uh, to kind of control that, especially if you have a little competitive juices in you, regardless of what's going on. See, I'm more nervous about me getting into it with like the, the, like the kids on the team, like their parents, like so 
fellow parents or else like opposing sides parents. I'm not really worried about the officials so much as I'm like the other parents. So yeah, we'll that, well, and that can be too. And I told you this before, and I'll tell you it again. It's the moms. Well, I'm not gonna no, hey, bro, I'm not gonna argue with any grown ladies. Like, I'm not worried about that. That's not my style. So no, but you'll you'll get you'll get some. I mean, listen, occasionally there'll be a dad as well. I mean, I mean the dads are are guilty too, but. What people don't ever talk about in this situation is the moms. And the moms are, they get a little crazy now. <laughs> and and they also aren't afraid to say stuff. Like, I think dads do a better job of actually keeping it in, like when, like, to what you were just talking about, the opposition's parents, because they're not, they don't want to, like, come to blows. But I think, though, the moms are a little more free with their words to the other side, because usually it doesn't end up in, you know, fisticuffs. Yeah, it's just true. shouting. Yeah. So I don't think there's, you know, I think dads kind of in the back of their mind realize, okay, I don't really want to get in a fight at this game. But I do think, and the moms aren't really thinking that way. They're just like, oh, if we get in a shouting match, we're getting a shouting match. I'm going to say what I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> That's my view of it. Um, and moms now are mad at me all over the place. For sure. Uh, probably. Hey, big new, the biggest news of the day here at the Combine, Kylo Murray's measurements. Uh, big day for him. It checks out. Over five foot ten, uh, hand size is bigger than Baker Mayfield, smaller than Russell Wilson. But the two hundred and seven pounds is what gets everybody. Where does it go from here? We'll see. But Carla Murray uh, certainly did not hurt himself today in the measurables in the measurements measurements. So that's the big story here. We really got underway with the uh, bench press. Uh, going on behind us. Uh, we've got interviews going on. The medicals are well underway. Uh, and the quarterbacks will talk on Friday here in Indianapolis at the Combine. We didn't really go too deep on this, but I did want to ask, is there a most overrated measurable, Austin, uh, in sports at all? But I'm thinking we're probably going to talk football here. Um, Like somebody said, the 40-yard dash for the offensive lineman. I think we discussed that a little bit before. Like, why do you even have to do that? Yeah. Well, you know what? What's funny is uh, they have like it's either like the twenty yard dash or like the thirty, or it might be the forty. Um, I see like at NBA combines, and, and honestly, I'm just gonna say this right now. I think NBA combines are probably the, the biggest waste of you know waste of, of time. time because yeah. let's be honest, can you shoot? Yeah. Okay. Welcome to the NBA. Can you dunk? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Welcome to the NBA. We, we don't need to know what your hand size is. We don't need to know your wingspan. We don't need to know your shuttle time. We don't need to know your forty or whatever it is. Can you shoot the basketball? Sweet. All right. We'll get in here. Come play for the NBA. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Simple as that. Hey, I just got a uh, a message. Bryce signed question mark. Yes. That's the other big story in sports today. Bryce Harper is going to the Philadelphia Phillies. Thirteen years, three hundred and thirty million bucks. Hey guys, I'll do some informational digging tonight. Okay. Oh, oh, great. <laughs> I, I just said I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. Oh, okay. Investigations Sounds underway good. over the next six hours. I hear investigations with, with a good beer is a little yeah, bit easier. Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, beverage of choice. So, That's Brent, it from the combine. What? Are you are you coming back tomorrow? What's the deal here? I'll be there tomorrow. In studio tomorrow. Okay. I'll be Three sure o'clock. to uh, move the beer cans and get the keg out of here then. Yeah, don't don't turn off the power of the station this time right before the show. Okay? wasn't my fault. That was Coos. Thank you. Have a good night, everybody. We'll see you on TV on Fox 30 and CBS 47.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.